Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm here with Jess Perkins. Hello, Jess. Hello, Dave. Bit of a vibrato for oh, you. Fantastic. I don't, I don't know why. There's a possibility that. that we could get some more of that from our special guest this week. Please welcome Michelle Brazier. <laughs> Hello, Dave. <laughs> She's a piece of shit. Hi, Jess. Honestly. <laughs> One of my best friends in the world. I'll say it. I want to be on the record saying that. Um, Absolutely showed fuck you she's up. a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, one of my ride or dies. Would call her in an emergency, but mm. Jesus Christ, she's mm. a piece of shit. Hey, yours is good too. She will make you look worthless. <laughs> She's just so good at everything. It's oh, annoying. Yes. Anyway, thanks for coming on the dumb little podcast. Whatever. <laughs> I'm happy to have you here, Michelle. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dave. God, what if I have no woman supporting woman? That's what I asked myself when you went, Dave, or whatever. Dave. <laughs> 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 <Hello>, Dave. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I think we should do the whole episode in like a transatlantic accent. <gasps> People would love it. They would love it. They wouldn't find it insufferable at all. No. I'm also not entirely sure I can do it or what it sounds like. 
So. Yeah, I was just going to say, which what's a transatlantic <laughs> accent? Is that it? Yeah, it's that. It's Samantha that. Jones. <laughs> Samantha Jones has a bit of a transatlantic accent. Just turning up and sing, saying Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is going to be fun. Uh, well, <laughs> welcome to the podcast, first of all, and welcome to Block. Yeah, I know. I can't believe I got here. I walked in here. I said, guys, am I in Block? You're and in you block. said, you're in Block. I said, oh, I didn't prepare anything. I haven't dressed properly. I don't know. I'm scared. No. I mean, yeah, typically, like, we do often invite you to our awards nights and That's stuff true. like that. Um, but yeah, you're on Block, baby. It's well, an exciting time. And we're in the top five. Yeah. It's the fifth most voted for. If people don't know the uh, the concept of Blockbuster Tober, where have you been? It's the biggest month slash two months in the Dougal on podcasting calendar. Yeah. We put out a big poll and said, hey, what do you want us to talk about? We've got thousands of votes and the, the votes were tabulated. <laughs> the top nine were selected. Yeah, infuriating. Blockbuster October and Blowvember, which was <laughs> annexed for some reason, <laughs> to make it bigger and better and better. And yeah. this is the fifth most popular topic. Can you believe it? It's uh, It's been a wild ride so far. We've had a little bit of everything. Wait, you said we put out a big poll. <laughs> I pictured like a really big boom poll <laughs> that you with a mic on the end that yeah. you're like putting out to the general public going, just yell what you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. You're there, boy. What, 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 what should we talk what about? What do you want to see? There's probably better, better ways to do it. But that's just the only way, way we know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the right way. <laughs> I said thousands of votes. It took months. It's, it's tradition. People go to Italy to see people do that tradition. Yeah, because they have right. they have Blocktober in Italy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go and I go every Blocktober. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that good? I don't know. That was really good. Was that that's translated? really good. That was translated. <laughs> I thought so. I thought so. <laughs> okay, now we always start this show with a question, um, and it's my turn to report on a topic mm-hmm. this week. The fifth most voted for topic. And um, Jess, in theory, has seen this topic written down in a long list somewhere Mm -hmm. when the topics were assigned. But I am very confident you have no idea what I'm (laughs) talking about. No idea. I'm certain she won't. (laughs) I could have just looked at it. I have no idea. So I'm going to give you a little list here. And you can buzz in at any time. But the question is, what do the following things have in common? Okay. Mm. We've got the slinky. Okay. Dynamite. (laughs) Yep. Post-it notes. Okay. Superglue. Coca-Cola. And matches. Okay, I've got an answer straight off the bat. Yeah. They're all things. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nouns. Yes, they are nouns. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. Can I need to be a little bit more specific? Is this about nouns? <laughs> it's the history of nouns. <laughs> okay, we've officially run out of things to talk about on <laughs> <or> Do Go On. Because <laughs> oh, four, four, 419. Can you imagine that? People voted for nouns. <laughs> the fifth most popular topic. Nouns. Adverbs was number four. <laughs> do they have the same inventor? No, but it is something to do with Romy their- and Michelle? It is something to do with their invention. Post-it notes. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Is it? Is this- um, Are they? Are they- they can't be people who died by their own invention, is it? No. Accidental be- inventions. They were all invented by accident. Oh, Congratulations. Well done. Nice. Because I was going to say, how do you die by Coca-Cola <laughs> or Post-it note? You fall in, it's that good. <laughs> the dream. No, these were all invented by accident. This is our fifth most popular topic for Blockbuster 2023. Uh, it's basically accidental inventions. Oh, I like that. I've got, wow. a, I've got a list. We're going to go through some of them here. Great. Including some that I already mentioned and some, some more. Oh, my God. Great. Exciting. So, he's done a little trailer at the yeah. top of the episode and then 
So you've really hooked us in. Yeah, you're hooked. You want to hear about uh, Superglue? Well, it's coming up. I can't wait. My friend Ruben K superglues me to myself all the time. Every August. Every <laughs> every August. Every August. Yeah. An August tradition. Yeah, yeah. In, in Edinburgh, at Edinburgh Fringe, when he gets when I'm at my lowest low, when I'm at my most tired, to pick me up, he'll find he'll find an item to offer me. Often when I'm like crying, and be like, <laughs> "Babe, here you go." And sometimes it's a vegan chicken nugget because they the UK corn ones very good. Shout out yep. to the corn vegan nuggets from the UK. And they're better in the UK than here. They're much better in the UK. Interesting. They're okay. a different texture. I don't right. know what's going on. Yeah. Completely, fi- completely different nugget. Finally done good food over there. <laughs> <laughs> right. in, the, what, in the frozen section. <laughs> no. That's, that's what, what others say. Listen I love to me. their food. The UK do, do good food. Have you I been to Bubbler it. in London? No. Oh, you've got to go. <laughs> Scooby-Doo, <laughs> darling. Um, my <laughs> friend Katie is a chef there. Oh, yum. So she's not at Bubbler, but she is a chef in London. But she did work at Bubbler, but that's fine. What I <laughs> trying to say is that Ruben will sometimes offer me a nugget yeah. as a gesture of um, kindness and it will have super glue on it. Good. And then I will be glued to the nugget yeah. or <laughs> You're glued to a glass nugget. of wine yeah, or okay. some he'll sort of item. It'll glue something to you. Yeah. And how do you react to that in the moment? I always laugh. Okay, great. It really does help. <laughs> it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Now, this topic has been suggested by a couple of people in different ways. One of them said just to do accidental inventions and one named a couple. So thank you so much to Scott Coventry from Greenwich and Jonathan McGee from Frederick in Maryland. Jonathan McGee from Frederick in Maryland. (laughs) That's good. I like it. I like what I've started. I hope they like it because I'm not going to stop doing this. No, nor should you. Now, humans have been inventing for thousands of years. Wow. Do you know this? Really? From the wheel of Mesopotamia to the latest iPhone sold at the Chadston Shopping Centre. (laughs) Yeah. Can you believe it? But not all inventions have been on purpose. Some of the best and longest lasting were created by accident and have a lasting legacy. New York Times columnist Pagan Kennedy, which is an incredible name, Mm. wrote a series of articles on inventions that eventually became the basis of a book called Inventology. Pagan writes... One survey of patent holders found that an incredible 50% of patents resulted from what could be described as a serendipitous process. Thousands of survey respondents reported that their idea evolved when they were working on an unrelated project and often when they weren't even trying to invent anything at all. Wow. So imagine that up to 50% of all inventions could have been the result of some sort of happy accident. Because you're just, you're just giving it a go. Exactly. You've got to be in it to win it. Yeah. You're out there sticking things together. Yeah. My Go parents on. invented me by accident. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that amazing? I'm one of the longest lasting accidental inventions. One of the yeah. most influential too. Very influential. Yeah. Yes. If you tell me to buy something, I'll buy it. Yeah, I'll buy it. I interrupted you, Jess. I'm sorry. I'm a terrible invention. <laughs> <laughs> now, a couple of the ones I mentioned at the top we've actually talked about before. Coca-Cola had its own episode. Yes, I'm sure you remember episode 77. 77, yes. All those years ago. Of course, I remember it. Very well. Uh, Dynamite, we talked about its creator, Alfred Nobel, on episode 199. Yep, remember, remember? that also, and, of course. And for some reason, we did a full bonus episode on the Slinky and the weird story of its creation. We did. <laughs> but the other ones I mentioned, well, let's get to them and more. Starting with an invention from 1826, British pharmacist John Walker invented the matchstick. Mm. Or the, the friction match, it was called. Fr- Friction match. Friction match. You don't, don't like it? it. I don't Friction like it. match. It's I don't fun know to why. say. Friction match. Yeah, it's really easy to, to mess up saying it. Friction match. So that's Friction what you're match. Oh, you got it first time. It's pretty good. 
He developed a keen interest in trying to find a means of obtaining fire easily. Before this, it was grab a couple of sticks and start rubbing or grab the nearest nerd's glasses. <laughs> Case in point, pointing to my own face. Classic. Several chemical mixtures were already known to ignite by a sudden explosion, but it had not been found possible to transmit the flame to a slow burning substance like wood. So I think they were trying to get like a safe process. They were like, we know how to blow up an entire barn. Yeah. But we don't know how, how to- How do we make a bonfire? Yeah. <laughs> there was nothing in between at the How time. do I get some of the fire from that burning barn <laughs> yeah. over here? Every town had a constantly burning barn and you went up to it. Like a well, <laughs> yeah. but for fire. Just yeah. minimum fire, please. There's <laughs> <laughs> two bucks worth. <laughs> What's a family size fire? <laughs> While Walker was preparing a lighting mixture on one occasion, a match- which had been dipped in the mixture, took fire by accident upon uh, rubbing against the hearth. It rubbed along the hearth. What's a hearth? Like the, the fireplace. He picked it up, oh. it rubbed along the top, and it caused friction, and it instantly burst into a small flame, and he went, oh. I think I've got something here. Wow. Albeit accidentally. Wow. He's had a substance that he rubbed and went, oh, that works. He started making wooden splints or sticks of cardboard coated with, the, with sulfur, which is the part of the mixture, and tipped with a mixture of sulfide of antimony, chlorate of potash potash, and gum. I was going to say that's what I would have yes. used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Extra. Chewing gum. Yeah. Chewing gum, if it just caught flames every time it had any slight friction in your mouth. It actually does. Yeah. <laughs> if you chew too hard, it will catch fire. you got to be really careful. Oh, my God. It happens all the time. Mm. He sold what he called his friction lights. That's that was the original name. Really. Friction lights. It's a bit better. Friction lights better than friction match. Friction match. Friction matching. To locals in April 1827s when it first started selling, each box came with a piece of sandpaper to create a friction with the lights. Yeah, oh. right. So he's a little sandpaper for it. He didn't patent his invention. Fucking idiot. <laughs> and I've heard two reasons. <laughs> no one, offense. One, Every strip club in the world would owe him money. <laughs> <laughs> they all have their own matches. I've heard Is two a strip re- club? You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, strip club. Yeah, that's a thing. Strip club. Did you just look to me to be like, did I say the politically incorrect way of strip club? Is that no, what no, you were no, looking no, at? No, no. uh, <laughs> is it, you know, um, uh, uh, d- uh, a, d- a, d- a sex work adventure house. <laughs> what is it called? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Haunted house for sex. <laughs> they, they, they pop out, but they don't scare you. They turn you on. And everyone's <laughs> consenting. Um, no, no, no. It was more like, is it strip clubs that do? <laughs> yeah, Watches. they do. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. do. And yeah, like, ladies lounge. And yeah. they used to have like- uh, I think my growing up, I found my dad had this old collection of matches that he got at every hotel he yeah, ever went to. Because that used to be a thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't have them anymore. But he had, you know, dozens of boxes. But so he didn't patent his invention. I've heard both because he wanted to share his discovery with humanity, oh. but also maybe because he just neglected to and missed out. So there's yeah, two. Right. Is there a, like I, a statute of limitations on when you can put in a patent for something? I think you, you, it's still up for grabs. Fuck yeah. You, you should take it. Um, every strip club in the world is going to owe me money. <laughs> <laughs> buy matches uh, strip clubs I've never bought matches they're just always there yeah now they're in the aisle next to the batteries I reckon at the supermarket can you buy matches at the supermarket yeah. where do you get batteries supermarket yeah. that sounds like boy stuff yeah oh yeah, yeah. there oh, it is batteries when in my I say house. that I say where do I send my man to get batteries <laughs> I can't go into the battery aisle <laughs> everybody will think I'm crazy <laughs> say ma'am the tampax is over here <laughs> You're allowed in one aisle. 
So the invention took off and was improved on and changed to how society lights fires in a time before electricity, but it also had some terrible unintended consequences, Ooh. leading to something called fossy jaw. I never like. Heard. I have such a great visual gag. Yeah, what for this. Th- I was just going to try and do like fussy dancing with my jaw, and then I was like, <laughs> I don't know how I'll do this and how I'll translate it to like audio. But I just don't want you guys to know that I was really quick and smart and thought of a quick, smart and funny theatre joke. So yeah. sucked in. I could have done that. I could have done it. I would have been like, and it would have been very funny. Yeah, but, uh, but <laughs> I don't. don't know. I can't do it. I physically can't do it. And fossy, you can't hear it. Fossy jaw. Fossy jaw. Now it's the real name is phosphorus necrosis of the jaw, Ooh. which is nasty stuff. Commonly called fossy Ooh. jaw, was a horrible disease in which workers in match factories oh. were exposed to white phosphorus, <laughs> the active ingredient in matches at the time, led the workers to develop unbearable painful abscesses in their mouths, leading to facial disfigurement and sometimes fatal brain damage. It, Whoa. it literally caused their jawbones to rot. Oh, my God. Why specifically the jaw, I wonder? Factory is is bad always. It's always bad in the mm-hmm. factory. Yeah. I've never, you never hear, like, all the factory workers yep. were so lucky. They <laughs> were all millionaires. Yeah, they, they're millionaires now. They all got shares. Great work-life balance, um, good hours, very, you know, flexible hours for yeah. people who had yeah, lives and families. Even Santa tried to have a rebrand and call it the workshop. We That's know it's a factory, factory mate. It's a factory Santa. Come yeah. on, mate. Come on, mate. That's horrendous. But, yeah, it is really interesting that, like, it's attacked the same bone in every person. Yeah, I guess that's what you breathe it in yeah. all day long. Red phosphorus was much safer but more expensive, so people didn't use it. Right, of course. There were lots of pushbacks against the use of the dangerous white phosphorus, including the 1888 Match Girls Strike, which was an influential industrial action by the women and teenage girls working at the Bryant and May Match Factory in London. And it had lots of influence on future strikes and workers' rights. But oh, great. S- still, the chemical was used until white phosphorus was finally prohibited by the International Burn Convention in 1906. The full title was The International Convention Respecting the Prohibition of the Use of White Phosphorus in the Manufacture of Matches. Jesus Christ. Was this before the radium girls? Or was similar, this after? Similar sort of. And this is, they're often compared to each other. Ah, like which one's hotter? Yeah. <laughs> No, in like, yeah, each like calendar fuck, Mary, kill, yeah. radium girl, <laughs> matchstick girl, cool girl. Third kind of girl. <laughs> Third kind. Yeah, they're often compared to each other as like uh, workplace injuries or like on a mass on a mass level. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Imagine like being one of the matchstick girls or whatever they're called, right? And like you're working on making something that you can't even go into a shop and purchase. Yeah. Because you try and <laughs> you say, try. ma'am. And it's like, what are you doing? Get out of here. That milk and eggs are over there. <laughs> <laughs> We're allowed to get milk and eggs. We're allowed. Okay. We're allowed. Don't okay. look at us like that. <laughs> I'm calling the police. We're allowed. You go play in your matchstick aisle and we'll see you at the counter. We'll see you at the counter. We're allowed. So much fun in the matchstick aisle, let me tell you. (laughs) So, fortunately, over the few years that followed that, industrial use of white phosphorus ceased and we no longer have people with fossy jaw. But that is an unintended consequence of his accidental invention. Wow. You never would have thought that that would happen. No. Next up, we have post-it notes. Okay, great. Which, as he said, is covered in Romy and Michelle's movie. Yeah, yes. so we know how this one got but invented. Well, we know right. who, but... We know who invented it, <laughs> There Romy is an, an, another Michelle. alternative theory. Okay. I don't... No. Buy. In brackets, incorrect. I didn't know this was a fiction podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> post-it notes were invented by Arthur Fry. Oh, his name wasn't even Post-it. No. Disappointing. <laughs> Arthur Fry. Himself. Artie Fry. Post-it man. 
I think Artie, there's something in Artie Fry as a business name. I think his um, business cards should be post-it notes. You yeah. know, he hands them out and then you can stick it somewhere. That's good. That'd be good. Yeah. If he hasn't done that. You could just stick it to people. Yeah. yeah. Cop that. Yeah, cop that. <laughs> like, <Ow>. wow. <laughs> that was incredible. That was powerful. I'm going to call that man. Arthur Fry. Arthur Fry. Artie Fry, an American man who started working at the 3M Company. Originally, the Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company. Oh, that's where Minnesota that comes Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing. 3M. Wow. Yeah, never, you know, never thought about big, it. Big, From 3M hooks? Yeah. Yes, those those same hooks. The very same. The very same. Mining the, and manufacturing. Are yeah, they still mining? Should I stop buying 3M hooks? <laughs> I don't think they <laughs> oh, are it's anymore. it's tough out here for renters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they are anymore. But- while studying a chemical engineering degree, Arthur Fry started working for the company in the 50s in, and he stayed there a long time because in 1974, Fry attended a seminar given by 3M colleague Spencer Silver. Oh, that's a great name. Spencer Silver. What are they? And at the seminar, he spoke about a unique adhesive that he'd accidentally developed in 1969. Silver's innovation had an unusual molecular structure yielding an adhesive strong enough to cling to objects but weak enough to allow for a temporary bond so like you could take it off yeah. he's made a shit glue <laughs> yeah, really? yeah. Like, he was like this glue is so shit I don't know what to do with it but- you could stick paper to stuff and you you could take it off pretty easily actually <laughs> yeah and he's like but it's strong enough that you could stick it on again yeah. You get a few sticks out of it. But he's like, and he was looking for a marketable use for the invention. He's like, I made shit glue. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Silver didn't know, but his talk had lit a fire of an idea. Our guy, Artie Fry, worked in new product development and was a bit of a thinker. Mm. And to quote from HowStuffWorks.com, like, I guess this is how he posted his work. A singer in his church choir, Art Fry, was constantly frustrated that the bookmarks in his hymn book kept falling out. Uh, Causing him to lose his place. I hate that. Mm. So annoying. Books? Here I am, Lord. Is it? Oh, I don't. <laughs> I don't know where I am. Oh, I d- oh fuck. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh fuck. I'm oh, sorry for that. I just yeah. I fucked it again. Sorry for. Sorry. <laughs> Frustrated. You understand, father. That exact scenario. <laughs> he then thought of Silver's adhesive and that it could be used on paper as markers in his hymn book. Mm. This idea still didn't grab the attention of the company's executives. Why? It's so sexy. So, so, yeah. Hey, I was in church. They're like, snore. <laughs> <laughs> but a lab manager named Jeff Nicholson was determined to get it to market. He thought it was a good idea. So he and his team created enough of the product to distribute free samples to businesses and people throughout Boise, Idaho, 90% of whom reordered the product. Wow. Ooh. They're like, hey, here's a little free sample. And they were like, hey, that shit was good. Can we have some more? And- you might ask, why are most post-it notes yellow? Well, that was also an accident. During the process of experimenting, Nicholson's team borrowed some scrap paper from the lab next door, and the paper happened to be yellow. After the scrap pile had been depleted, they simply continued continued ordering more yellow paper. There you go. Wow. They sort of took off as like the no reason. Now you can get all sorts of different colors. Well, it's yellow is still the standard. The you can get yellow. pink. Girls are allowed now. Yeah, yeah. Girls I- are allowed post-its now. <laughs> I get a hot pink one that has like lines on it, so I can write, you know, like. In, nice Straight. and neat, because yeah. otherwise I rattle in like a little circle and like you can't read. Yeah, Yuck. Um, but that that classic yellow you think of—it's a pretty boring yellow too. Yeah. So I do think like jazz it up a little bit. Jazz it. Yeah. Jazz it. I like a neutral post-it. Okay. Yeah, it's really nice. Just like a brown, like a beige. <laughs> yeah, brown or beige. Forest green. You can't read the ink, but I love it. <laughs> it's lovely. 
It's a beautiful palette. It's really nice. It doesn't interfere the you know, with the energy of my space, which is a sacred space. <laughs> my post-its have to match. My, my dog space. vomited on my carpet yesterday. Okay, yeah, cool. Just talking about my sacred space. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, I don't know. We got a new round. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> that was so good. Thank yes. you. You're on fire. <laughs> we, she vomit, we got a rug for to put in the spot where she always vomits. There's a spot where she like tries to make it outside and she doesn't quite make it. Right. So that's where she vomits or shits if she's got diarrhea. That's her like awful spot. Yeah. And so we got a rug to be like, this rug is for you to shit on. Yeah. And she's just... Vomiting all around the rug, just <laughs> everywhere near the rug. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I respect the rug. I'm not going to. Yeah, she's like, oh, I'm not on the rug. Oh, God. This new rug. It's your favorite thing. I know you love this <laughs> they rug. Love this rug. <laughs> they made a real song and dance of like putting it down and like showing me the rug. So <laughs> I would hate to upset them. Mm. I'll vomit next to the rug. I'll vomit next to the rug. Not on the rug. The rug's for emergencies. <sighs> I'll find a hard place to clean up and I'll vomit there. <laughs> so Artie Fry was honored with the company's top te- technical title after it became a. Worldwide bestseller, corporate researcher. Oh my god, Artie, congrats. Well, congrats! But he said, "My biggest reward is to see so many people use and appreciate my product." But wouldn't it be better if you had heaps of money? Yeah, if I had a cent for every post-it note, that would be even better. Yeah, that'd be. Way and they better. come in like a twenty pack, so that's twenty cents per pack. Per pack, and they sell millions. He'd be crushing it. Post-it crushed. notes are sold in more than one hundred and fifty countries, and Fry is still alive today, aged ninety-one. Whoa! What a guy. That rules. But oh. there is controversy. <gasps> Ooh, there is la, a rival la. claim as to who invented the post-it note. <gasps> Romeo and Michelle. Mm, a Romeo third Michelle. claim. <laughs> oh, a third claim. Wow. Another American inventor <laughs> named Alan Amron who invented these, you know, the, you'll know these inventions, mm-hmm. the photo wallet, and also battery-operated water pistols. Oh, sure. It's got the runs okay. on the board. He claims that he was the inventor of the post-it note. Amron has made claims to be the inventor in 1973 of the technology used on post-it notes, and he said he disclosed his invention to 3M, the big company, in 1974. Ooh. He sued 3M in 1997, which resulted in a confidential settlement. A oh. settlement? Yes, we don't know. Was Romy and Michelle in the settlement as well? I would hope so. Yeah, they, it was a three-way settlement. Three-way. <laughs> three-way settlement. Amron's a pretty interesting guy. His wiki... Wikipedia page, which is a uh, wikipedia.org, is this website about inventors that I found. Oh. Mm. It says that in 1976, he created the International Committee to Reunite the Beatles. What? Which failed. What a fucking nerd. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like he has too much time on his hands. He placed radio and newspaper advertisements asking everyone to donate a dollar, oh. which would then be given to the Beatles to reunite for a concert. Do you think that it went to the Beatles or do you think maybe he took it? I don't to think, make some battery operated water guns. I don't think anybody gave him any money. Oh, you're drinking that delicious orange juice, Dave. Oh, do you like this? I love that juice. It's so. It's actually so good. That's the best orange. Ju- that's the best orange juice. Didn't I say when I first I had a sip? I said this is very good. It, have you, is this your first time sun zesting? Is this your first sun zest? To be honest, it was the last one in the fridge at the cafe we went to, <gasps> and I thought I was thinking that I was getting the poor man's juice. No, mate, you have because it was all that was there. Gold. But it's absolutely delicious. Is it Sunset? Is there sugar in this? Like, is it just? No, it's just juice and it's got pulp in it, as God intended. It's fantastic. This oh is not God. an ad. No, but how is it so different to it other juices, tastes I wonder? It so good. It that tastes makes, really good. There's a reason there was only one left in the whole fridge. Yeah, that's right. Good. You were lucky. It's a good juice. It's, bef- you know, before, like, all the juices that you get at the, su- like, um, what's the juice? Nudie juice is yeah, a good yep. juice. Yes, yeah, so that's the one I it's, often want. It's a pre-nudie. 
So before nude was even when nude was fully clothed, yeah, oh, right. Sunzest was at fish and chip shops around the country enticing you, and I said yes, please, and I. I've never, I've never gone back. I mean, I'll have a, I'll have a, any orange juice. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a loyalist. I'm just, I just want to make a big deal. You're yeah. a fan. I'm a big fan, and I think it's a small company. It's probably owned by Coca Cola, but listen, yeah. it looks <laughs> like small company. Yeah, I love it does. that. I it love has, that. Juice. It has that family biz look. I've got the made in Australia, made from uh, you know Australian grown organic oranges too. So there you go. Organic oranges. Look at that. Wow. Go on your sunzest. 375 mils of pure heaven. Who invented sunzest? <laughs> Johnny Sun. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, and, th- and his best friend, Gregory Zest. Yeah, put them together. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Zest. <laughs> Zest is a sick last name. Actually, isn't it's it? It's really good. Should I judge Just Zest. Just Zest. Okay, I, not for me, maybe. <laughs> what Just Zest. Zest. Shell Dave Zest. Zest. David Zest. That's David good. Zest. Sounds good. Oh my god. David Zest David is amazing. Zest? David Zest. A real pleasure. You honestly got just like hotter just then? Yeah. When you said Dave David Zest, I okay. was like, am I gonna fuck Dave? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> Call your wife. Like tell her it's David Zest. <laughs> yeah. She will finally fuck you. I'm certain of it. I'm certain. Finally. David Zest. Could this be a new me? Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone, start calling me David Zest. Let's try and get no, this actually as soon off. as you try to make a nickname I hate stick. It. I yeah. hate, do not call me David Zest. <laughs> all do not right, call David me Zest. Do not call me a, a sex <laughs> Yeah, now. all right, David do Zest. Not, do not re- rebrand me as an absolute sex machine. Got him, <laughs> David Zest. All right, post-it notes, tick. From one sticky thing to one of the stickiest things. Oh, jeez. Super glue uh, and chicken nuggets. Yep. Yum. Vegan chicken nuggets. During World War II, Harry Coover was working for Eastman Kodak's chemical division in Rochester, New York. He was part of a team conducting research with chemicals known as cyanoacrylates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's close enough. In an effort to find a way to make a clear plastic that could be used for precision, for precision, for precision <laughs> gun sights for soldiers. It's hard to say. Precision gun sights. It is hard to say. Have a go. Almost as hard as. What was the match one? Yeah, I was Friction match. Friction match. Friction match. So this one is precision gun sights. Oh, God, you're good. Precision. Precision gun sights. You're both much better than me. Yeah. So for soldiers, while working with the chemicals, the researchers discovered that they are extremely sticky and this property made them very difficult to work with. (laughs) 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 They write about how- Lay down your arms. I'm trying I'm joking, like it's like Guns Akimbo, that Daniel Radcliffe movie where he wakes up and he's got guns. <laughs> like, and Dad, is that what happened? <laughs> it was what started the, the war, they, you said? They would apparently, like, just they'd be so annoyed because everything would just stick. They'd just, like, their hand would, like, stick to the fridge and they'd be like, fuck. <laughs> Everything's fucking sticky. Yeah, it would be really annoying. annoying. When you're like, oh, trying to get stuck. Get off. And they found that it, the, whatever the product they came up with would bond anything to anything and it was just annoying so they were like okay this isn't feasible to make gun sights out of because it's too sticky move on then in 1951 our man coover experimented with the glue yet again this time to develop heat resistant jet airplane canopies and again canapes canapes (laughs) (laughs) these are heat resistant (laughs) these ones are gluten free (laughs) (laughs) they're all sticky Because, again, everything was annoyingly sticky. He and his team tried the substance on various items in the lab, and each time the items became permanently bonded together. 
<laughs> so fun. Shit! shit I wonder again. if it will. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> well, surely not the shit! <laughs> yeah. Like the boss walks in one day after a day of research and like 15 researchers are all glued together. <laughs> oh, help! Help! Have I told you about the my landlord, I had this crazy landlord for a time, and he he was like this old uh, Italian man, and he lived two doors down, and one day he got stuck in our house. So he came, <laughs> I came home, and he was out in the backyard, and he'd sat on, you know those chairs that are like wrought iron, and they're sort of curly yeah, and white? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd sat on one of those, and he always wore a leather jacket, even though he was 6,000 years old, and I came out the back, and he had this weird voice, and he would always just come over with no, no real reason. He'd just be there, just sort of say, and I live with Demi Larder and he referred to her as the little one. He would tell any tradies that the little one's in charge. And like, I came home one day Perfect. and he was just yelling from the backyard, Michelle, Michelle. <laughs> I went out the back and I was like, what are you doing, mate? And he's like, I'm stuck. And his jacket had like looped onto one of the curls of the chair and instead of taking off his jacket, he'd stayed stuck to the chair in the rain in my backyard where he legally should not be. <laughs> he could have just taken the jacket off. Could have just taken it off. Unlooped it. it. And away. Like, Michelle, how long have you been out there? Do you know? He said he'd been there for hours. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I would rather die here than take my jacket off. <laughs> and what? And when? How did you get him out of that situation? Did you take the jacket off? I him? immediately just like unlooped him. It was so easy. I was like, oh, boop. it was. Really- <laughs> he'd been there for hours. Yeah. I he love was him. really good. Yeah. I love him too. He was the best landlord I've ever had. <laughs> he was crazy. He was so crazy. Michelle. <laughs> so they're all stuck together. They're all stuck. So Kuba notices, fine. Like, we like can't stuck ma- to a chair. We, we can't make shit out of this, but this stuff's really, really sticky. Maybe we could use it as a sticky thing. Yeah. So he made- Stop trying to make a sticky thing be a, a not sticky thing. Yeah, like a solid thing. Just go lean Just into it. let it be sticky. If you got, you got a couple of kids- Mm. And one of them is like a, an amazing dancer. Yeah, you're not going to make that dancer be a mathematician. Yeah, and if you've got a couple of kids and one of them's an adhesive, yeah, <laughs> don't try and make it a dancer. a dancer. Encourage them to be sticky. They're going to have terrible footwork. It's yeah. going to be so bad. <laughs> They'll be able to do that Michael Jackson thing where they lean forward real good. Yeah, yeah. that's true, but that's all. That's the only move. The moonwalk is out of the question. <laughs> So he realised these sticky adhesives had unique properties and that they required no heat or pressure to bond. And he patented the product as alcohol catalyzed cyanoacrylate adhesive compositions slash superglue. Beautiful. <laughs> Away with words. Yeah, that's poem. And he began refining the product for commercialization. According to Lemelson NMIT, Later, it became known as Superglue, and Coover became somewhat of a celebrity himself, Ooh. appearing on television in the show I've Got a Secret, where he lifted the host Gary Moore off the ground using a single drop of the substance. He also appeared in TV commercials for Superglue. Wow. I don't think you could lift a man with a single drop of Superglue. <laughs> I think there's been some trickery. Do you think they ever even glued you to a nugget and then could pick you up by the nugget? I've never been picked up by a, by a nugget. <laughs> I've never had that pleasure, <laughs> so, but I'll try. It's not like, like you should go on an episode of I've Got a Secret. I've got a secret. I've never been picked oh, up by a nugget. I can't see the show. 
that's hosted by Steve-O from- um, From Jackass. From Jackass. And no. it's like it's like called Killer Karaoke or something. And people have to sing a song whilst they put their hands into boxes full of like spiders and snakes. <laughs> and so singing but screaming this is american woman she's very confident she's singing that like before he cheats song and she's like see it on down in my pretty little things <laughs> <laughs> it's the best tv show i've ever seen in my, in my entire life i can't think of anything better Listen, i write for tv i'm gonna quit yeah it's the best it's show yeah. we've clocked tv <laughs> perfect <laughs> tv does exist <laughs> Everyone look it up. It's on YouTube. I love it. I've never heard of it, but I'm, I'm going to check it out. Before he cheats, killer karaoke. I'm going to show you guys. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> you love it. So, yeah, it took off Superglue. And during the Vietnam War that followed, it was discovered that the glue had medical applications as well. Field surgeons began using the substance by spraying it over open wounds, oh. which stopped bleeding instantly and allowed hurt soldiers to be transported to medical facilities for conventional treatment. Wow. But then you have to get off the super glue. Yeah, that that bit probably hurts. Mm. Yeah. So I guess you're like, well, he didn't bleed to death. That's true. On the helicopter ride over. Over the course of his career, Harry Coover was awarded more than 460 patents. Ooh. In 2010, he received the National Medal of Technology and Innovation from President Obama. This is the highest honor the United States can offer to a U.S. citizen for achievements related to technological progress. And Coover died in 2011, aged. 94. Wow. These inventors live long lives. Wow. They're being rewarded. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for, for contributing service. to society. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Have um, a long life. Probably super glued himself to the earth. Yeah. <laughs> Try and take me. Super, super glued his soul to his body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sucked in dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> Death comes in a little hood. He's like, Death's come like, on, fucko. Oh, Let's fuck, go. I can't get him. I can't get him. He's but stuck. Death turned up with some coconut oil in it. Yeah, he just <laughs> worked it through. How about the microwave? Okay. I don't have a microwave. Oh, my gosh, neither do I. But just because we moved to a new place and it didn't fit in the cupboard, so we just left it at the old place. No, I, I have a microwave. <laughs> I just wish I just like canonically don't have one. Oh, okay, great, great. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of my brand, I don't have a microwave. Oh, okay, great, great, great. Mm. I don't think I use my microwave that much, but I think I'm quite useless. And the times when I do use it, if I didn't have it, I'd be like, I, I'm, I have nothing. I don't know what to do. <laughs> What How else do? would I boil water? <laughs> There's no other way. I think that that's what Americans do, right? Yeah. They do. They put it in the microwave? I believe so. Or something like that? Or maybe they put it on a pot. On, maybe a stove. On a, yeah. stove. They don't have a kettle. Yeah, kettles aren't super common. Just walking around, no kettle. Yeah. They go to work, no kettle. No kettle at the work. No kettle on the tube. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no that's what I love about London. You get on the tube and there's, there's just kettles. The kettles everywhere. Every seat has its own little kettle. Do you love that? You make a cup of tea, you enjoy your ride. I oh. love the tube. I love it. I love to get a kettle. I love if anyone from London's listening, never change that on the central line where it screams. Never change that. Yeah. But keep that scream. It's nice. Keep the scream. Mind the gap. Don't drop the kettle. <laughs> Down the gap. <laughs> well, in 1940, the microwave kind of came to prominence. Let me tell you about American, <laughs> man- <laughs> American man Percy Spencer began working at the Raytheon Manufacturing Company. That company still exists today, making missiles, military <gasps> oh, training fuck. systems, and electronic warfare products. Cool! <laughs> 
According to the popular mechanics, Percy Spencer was their go-to problem solver, working on radar technology and helped to develop proximity fuses or detonators that allowed you to trigger artillery shells so they'd explode in midair prior to hitting their mark. Oh. Sounds nasty. Mm. Spencer wow. earned several patents while working on more eff- efficient and effective ways to mass-produce radar magnetrons. Oh. Popular Mechanics explains, a radar magnetron is a sort of electric whistle that instead of creating vibrating sound, creates vibrating electromagnetic waves. This guy sounds like an evil scientist. Yeah, it does sound like that. Yeah. Totally. But now we can have rice in 90 seconds. We can. That's so good. Just open it a little bit in the packet. Give it a squeeze. 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 You go squeeze it. Oh, Put it in. Oh, thanks, Uncle Ben. 90 seconds <laughs> and uh, dinner's ready. I wouldn't know, but. <laughs> yeah, of course. I've heard. Gee, you're slaving away over a proper stove. Yeah. Yeah. Getting it done. I grow the way. rice myself. You grow the rice. You don't use gas. You. I don't use you, gas. You blow it until it gets hot. Yes. <laughs> in 1945, Spencer was testing one of his magnetrons when he stuck his hand in his pocket, preparing for the lunch break, when he made a shocking discovery. The peanut cluster bar that he had in his pocket had melted. Oh, can you believe this? What the actual fuck? What the- he was freaking out. He's like, great. Well, there's my lunch gone. Oh, and now my pants are ruined. Mm. Oh, I think he had an accident and he said <laughs> it's, a, it's a melted oh, peanut. Oh, yeah. no, it's my, my peanut It's cluster. a cluster. That's why it's chunky. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I, smell it. I think he's had an accident. And he's really, he covered it up by inventing a microwave. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh, it melted my bar. All right. Spencer, this is the oldest trick in the book. We I know never pooped myself. Shut yourself, mate. <laughs> I never. I never pooped myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's also commonly said that it was a chocolate bar that melted, but his grandson, Rod Spencer, is adamant. That it was a peanut cluster bar. Okay, Rod, have you got some other stuff going on or (laughs) this is the most important? He said his grandfather always carried one so he could feed it to squirrels and chipmunks he encountered. That's so funny that he's like, I lo- oh, a little squirrel, oh, a little chipmunk. Oh, the end of humanity. Yeah. A missile. <laughs> yeah. cool. But I love to carry little treats for my chipmunk friends. Mm. And it's possibly more significant because chocolate melts way more easily than a cluster bar. So, like, that's not going to okay. melt just from your from your body. What's a cluster bar? I think, like, you know, like if you have, like, a Nutri-Grain bar or, like, an LCM sort yeah. style thing. Think is that something clustery? Prepackaged. Yeah, sorry, from the, one of those aisles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the aisles okay. you don't go in. No, I don't. Yeah. I go on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> I stay on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, oh, the Magnetron made this melt. That's weird. So he tried it on other foods. <clears throat> popcorn popped. Fuck yeah. He made the world's first microwave popcorn. He then tried an egg. It exploded. The world's first microwaved exploded egg. <laughs> He was ticking them off. He was ticking them off. And according to a website that I can't believe it exists, but it, it, it truly does, it is historyofmicrowave.com. <laughs> can you believe that? I can. And it's my new homepage. I can't believe it. Here's what it says. The microwave cooking oven was patented by the company Raytheon with one of the first prototypes placed at a Boston restaurant for testing. The first public use was in January 1947 in a speedy weenie vending machine <laughs> in Grand Central Terminal, which sold freshly cooked hot dogs. The first commercially available microwave. Also <laughs> Can you appeared- do this in a transatlantic accent? <laughs> Yeah. By a, a speedy weedy <laughs> machine that had uh, hot dogs <laughs> in New York. It sounds insane. Speedy weedy. Speedy weedy. Come on. Do you want a speedy weenie? <laughs> Sweetie. <laughs> What do you need? <laughs> do you want me to feed <laughs> <laughs> no? 
uh, the first commercially available microwave also appeared that year, 1947, and the first models were huge, about six feet high and weighing more than what? 750 pounds. They cost $5,000 at the time, which is equivalent to $65,000 US dollars today. Wow. Wh- so they're for commercial use. Yeah. But what kind of, what would you put in it? I think they would put them in like, you know, high-end kitchens and yeah, things like wow. that. Places that could afford, you know, this cutting-edge technology. High-end kitchens, are they using microwaves a lot now? I'm sure they (laughs) are, yeah. I'd say so. Every chef loves a microwave. (laughs) Every chef. Show me a chef, I'll show you a microwave. (laughs) I love them. What was it called? A Magna Rod Boy? What's it? Speedy Weenie? What's it called? Speedy Weenie. Micro Magnetron Magnetron Magnetron, yeah I'm going to call my microwave that I don't have my Magnetron Yeah, I just got to pop that in the Magnetron <laughs> And then dinner will be ready So just got to melt some chocolate in the Magnetron <laughs> Nigella has a microwave That's true Because she, she says microwave Of course Which we love After World War II wrapped up Wartime technologies were adapted for domestic purposes The ovens became smaller and more suitable for homes these days, there's a microwave in more than 90% of American homes, so hundreds of millions, if not billions, have since been sold. Percy Spencer never received any royalties for his Fuck. invention, but he was paid a one-time $2 gratuity from Raytheon, the same token payment the company made to all inventors on its payroll at the time for company patents. Two Raytheon bucks. can suck my dick, but also he did invent missiles, so he can also suck my dick. They can both suck my dick at the same time. Wow. I'm really fun. I'm, like, fun sexually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Percy Spencer died in 1978, 76, not too bad. Yeah, well, that, see, that's for a reason, isn't it? Okay. No offence to your family if they're listening. But you made bad his, his things. His grandson is adamant that it was a peanut cluster bomb. Yeah. Yeah, well, his grandson probably has mining money and he can <laughs> S my D as well. Yeah. I'm fun. I'm open. Okay, now Get we're not saying in. suck my dick. Okay. <laughs> S my D. It's only got a certain, you can only say it a certain number of times. So <laughs> you got to S my Otherwise, D. Otherwise, this has to be on SBS past 11 p.m. <laughs> now, some products are invented for one purpose and then found to have a totally different application. For example, Play Doh. Oh. Do you guys know anything about Play-Doh? And- uh, no, I know how it tastes. <laughs> oh, God, it tasted so salty and good it in my memory. It was salty, so, yeah. I yeah. haven't yeah. had any for a, a couple of months, but <laughs> it's been remember, a while. I seem to remember it tasting great. It tastes so good. It actually started out as a wallpaper cleaner manufactured in Cincinnati in the 1930s. What? Wallpaper it, cleaner? Yeah, it was initially devised at the request of Kroger Grocery, which wanted this is a business, not a person, which wanted a product <laughs> that could clean coal residue from wallpaper. Coal residue from yeah. wallpaper. Yeah, I guess you have your open fireplace. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it would just get on the wallpaper. And this this kind of like you know, imagine play doughy stuff. You just rub it off. Yeah. Rub mm. the wall. And this this type was invented by Noah McVicker. But following World War Two, again, the world's changing with the transition from coal-based home heating to natural gas. The resulting decrease in internal soot and the introduction of washable vinyl-based wallpaper, mm. the market for wallpaper cleaning putty decreased substantially. Mm. The Smithsonian writes, Joseph Vicker, related to Noah, who was one of the inventors of the wallpaper product, was trying to turn around the struggling company when his sister-in-law read an article about how wallpaper cleaner could be used for modelling projects. Sister-in-law <laughs> Kay Zufall, it's a great name, who herself was a nursery school teacher, tested the non-toxic material with children, 
who loved molding into all kinds of shapes. Oh, cool. Worm. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. Worm is a great one. You just roll it for a while. Sausage. Sausage. Sausage is Snake a good one. Snake is a good one. one. Oh, Snake yeah. is a good one. Wallpaper cleaner. That's a great yeah, one. But like a long, thin bit yes. of a- Worm. Worm is a worm is a good one. Two worms. Two worms. Couple worms. Two worms kissing. <laughs> oh my god, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. That's scandalous. <laughs> so she you know, her kids were playing with it. So she told Mick Vicker of her discovery and even suggested a new name. She said you should call it Play Doh. What? So that's Did she does she have fat stacks? I imagine the family got rich. It was difficult to, to track down this, you know, who the original inventor is because there's so many people. I would like to say that the, the original inventor is her. She's the smart one. She they exactly, made yeah. something that cleans the wall and she went, you fucking idiots. This is fun. This is Play-Doh now. This yeah. is Play-Doh. Advertisements promoting Play-Doh on influential children's television shows in 1957 furthered the product sales and it soon became a cultural phenomenon. Wow. Play-Doh has since sold more than three billion cans since its debut. Wow. And because of its history as different products, a few people have been listed as inventor or developer, co-marketer, that right. kind of thing. So it's hard. I really want to track down basically to see how old they were yeah. when they died to prove my theory that all inventors live on. I did find an, an obituary for Philip Steiner, whose company Kenner Products developed and marketed Play-Doh, and he's sometimes listed as an inventor, and he died at 92. Okay, wow. impressive. When did that girl die? I'm not sure. I couldn't find much more about uh, Zay K. Zufall. Good we name. should start an investigative podcast about what happened to oh, Kay's Having before. a Kay, yep. special K investigation. Yeah. We can get a sponsor. Okay, we can maybe workshop the name a little bit more. The but- sponsor can be Sunzest. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. We love it. Okay, here's a couple of quicker ones. Ice cream cones were invented way, way, way after ice cream, which had been around since the emperors of the Tang dynasty in China. Whoa! Between 618 and 907 AD, who are believed to have been the first to eat, quote, a frozen milk-like confection that wow. people have since pointed to and gone, that's that's ice cream. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That is cool. But what about the cone? Yeah, what are Cone's you eating important. it out of? Mm. Before that, we were just scooping with our hands like animals. Or like in a bowl? That's fine. It's but a, you, can't you can't eat the bowl. You can't eat with a spoon. You look like a creep. You can't eat it with a spoon. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, you're spoons. right. You have it's to disgusting. stand there making eye contact and licking it for ages that's instead. <laughs> that's better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hang on. It's dripping. The last time I yeah. had, I think it was the last time I had ice cream, it was on uh, holidays and I wanted ice cream and my partner didn't want ice cream, but we got ice cream and, and I said, <laughs> just one scoop, please, because we'd had a big dinner and it was like the biggest fucking one scoop. Yeah, the scoop. It was huge. It was too much. <laughs> one scoop. Oh, okay, I'll give you one scoop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we just sat at a little table. It was too big for me to eat on the go. We had to, <laughs> we had to sit and I had to like kind of rush my way through it. That's fair. I, I understand how that happened. Flavor? Mint choc chip. Oh, okay. Your favourite flavour, Michelle? Chocolate. Oh, I love chocolate too. Pandan as well. I like coconut and pandan, but I'll never go past a chocolate. Maybe like a, a, a chocolate uh, cookies and cream or a chocolate yep. with something, but I will oh always choose God. chocolate. You and I should get ice cream together. We get, we get we each other. We should go get an ice cream. I mean, that's the beauty of going and getting ice cream is that you can all get ice cream and get different flavours. I, mean, <laughs> no, I don't no, know why that's I can't what come. It is. I don't think that's no, no, what it is. No, 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 no. That's well, not how it works. But you get calm. Mine has chocolate in it. Okay. That's a good argument, Dave. It's mint chalk chip. If you just say chalk chip and you just whisper the mint, I'll let you sit at the same table. <laughs> chalk chip for me, please. Chalk chip. <laughs> mint. <laughs> mint. 
Oh, I genuinely want to get an ice cream now. <laughs> <laughs> and I would get it in a cone, which you couldn't uh, do for a long time yeah, until wow. this is a lot later than I would have thought. The 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis. I thought you were going to be like 1998. <laughs> <laughs> My dad, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> According to How Stuff Works Again, which does have a great article that I'll link to about a few of these inventions, Arnold Fornischau, an mm. ice cream vendor at the 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis, had trouble keeping up with the day's demands because it was quite hot. He's just scooping straight into people's hands. <laughs> have a go. Have a go. Have a look. Have a look. Quick. Quick. Throwing bowls of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> but he had so much ice cream, he ran out of paper cups to serve it in. A nearby vendor named... Ernest Hamwee was having the opposite problem. His waffle-like pastry called Zalabia, which is popular in the Middle East, North Africa, and West Asia, wasn't selling. So oh. he gave some to Fornishow to serve ice cream in, and the tasty combination has been a hit ever wow. since. That's great. It's what a good story. Yeah. This cone-like thing, yeah. That's just people that, being nice to each other. That's beautiful. That's a story about, like, cross-cultural. Yeah. Like, that is... Hey, that's beautiful. And now we get like waffle it. cones and they rule. <sighs> Thank you, Zalabia. Yeah, waffle or die. I want Zalabia. What's it is what is has anyone had that? Mm, no. Is no, it I the hadn't. same as waffle or is it like a warm No, it is different. Let me look it up again. I want to eat that. Yum. It, it it actually looked when I looked it up a bit more fried. It's a fritter or donut like thing found in oh. several cuisines across the Arab world, West Asia and some parts of Europe, influenced by the former. Wow. Yum. Oh, there is a fritter version which is made of semi-thin batter of wheat flour. So, that's the fritter version. I, I think mm. it was more of a a, a pastry version. Mmm. Okay. Sounds delicious. Yeah, but what I'm looking at, they look delicious. I'm going to eat that. Now I want Zalabia. I'm going to see if this is Zalabia nearby. <laughs> I think you're just hungry. Yeah, I always am. <laughs> okay. In the 1930s, Swiss physicist Walter Jaeger was trying to invent a sensor that could detect poison gas. Okay. It failed. Sure. Yeah. And annoyed- he lit a cigarette. Oh. And wouldn't you believe it, his device registered the smoke from the cigarette. <gasps> this accidental discovery led to the invention of the modern smoke detector. Mm. Wow. Which now detects when you've burnt some toast. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. And you're like, I don't need your passive aggressive bush. I know I've burnt the toast. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, so beep, annoying. Beep, 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 Someone beep, beep, get a tea towel. Do your you dogs know? freak I have out? I panic every time. No, my dog is absolutely fine. But because <sighs> of my history with fire, I freak out. My yeah. body just like <laughs> loses control. And I know that I'm fine. So I'll be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I know I'm fine. And yeah. Tim will be like, it's okay. You're safe. Because I'm like, <laughs> yeah. but I'm also like, I know I'm fine. I'm okay. But I'm bawling my eyes I've, out and shaking. I've done a little check and I'm not on fire I'm not time. on fire this time. <laughs> <laughs> I made it through. Um, I've just Googled Zalabias near me. Yes. And um, so it says that they're known in Greece as Lucamades. Oh. So those little guys. Oh, they're you know great. those little guys. And they are very close to us. Yeah. Lucamades are very nice. I yeah, have those little those. balls. Delicious. So I think they're Zalabia balls. I think, do you know what? They're, they're probably some sort of like bastardization, what we're thinking of, but like. They are a delicious treat and I love them. Yeah, yeah they're, yum. They're really, really yum. So he, he was trying to invent <laughs> yeah. a, something that detected poisonous gases. Yeah. but And then it didn't, didn't which work. Which I guess, he, well, no. Is smoke a gas? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, smoke's a vapour. Yeah, so no. A vapour? I, I was trying to like back him up. Like, yeah, he kind of did. He did, I think. I think, that, honestly, this is much more- Fire is poison u- much for more all useful. humans. No one can- well, I mean, I can, but most yeah. people can't yeah. take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your smoke alarm goes off and you cry. I so. cry. Yeah, I do cry. <laughs> I do cry. I don't like think a- you can take it. Yeah, I can take it. <laughs> 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 I 
Okay, you'll never imagine what the next guy invented. What? John H. Sandwich. Kellogg. Oh. Sandwich. I'm going to stick with sandwich. Uh, yeah, sandwich. I think it's. Um, I think it's. Um, um, no. I think it's not. I think it's not. Not. Not fucking each other. Yeah. Yeah. He's a big fan of that. But yeah. before that, he invented cornflakes. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nutra grain. That was Chris Bix. Milo cereal. Which does we, that still exist? We have it in my in my household okay, regularly. That's yes. Absolutely delicious. They made a plant based Milo. And it changed my oh, wow. fucking life. Does it yeah. taste like you remember the other Milo? Yes. That's awesome. It tastes exactly the same as I remember. I think it's finer. Maybe it is. But that's not a bad thing. You can I still d- have Milo. I, I mean, I haven't had it in like 20 years now. So now that I'm having it again, everything's just so much better. Yeah, I love a little Milo. Ooh. You look good. Thank you so much. You look happy. happy. Yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> I got that. I got that Milo glow. Yeah. So, John H. Kellogg invented cornflakes, the first dry flaked breakfast cereal, which became the most popular dry breakfast cereal in the world and transformed the typical American breakfast. Kellogg was a medical doctor who looked after patients at a sanitarium and promoted wellness through a healthy vegetarian diet and routinely experimented with new food products, according to the National Inventors Hall of Fame, which he's a a member. Kellogg was working with his brother, William Keith Kellogg, on a new kind of wheat meal for patients at the sanitarium when the process that resulted in cornflakes was accidentally discovered. Rolling out wheat dough that had been forgotten overnight, the brothers discovered that instead of loaves of bread, they got thin flakes. Oh. Mm. Kellogg's patients liked the new food and he sold over 100,000 pounds of the cereal in the first year. Wow. Wow. Just old bread. Yeah. We left it overnight, cut it up, rolled it out, and went, oh, look at these little- Where does it- Why is it called cornflakes, then? <laughs> yeah. I don't actually know. What's in cornflakes? Not corn. Just wheat? Yeah, it's just wheat bits. Wheat bits? Wheat bits. Why is it <laughs> sort of yellowy, taken. then? And delicious. Piss. Ah, oh, it's so, piss. Yeah. Bit of piss. Lots of nutrients, then. Now, mm. there is a commonly circulated fact that Kellogg invented cornflakes to prevent masturbation. <laughs> I've heard this- I've wanted to believe this. Yeah, it's not true. But the good people at Snopes.com have debunked oh, it. I'm oh, so no. sorry, everyone. Oh, that uh, is disappointing. So how did he stop everyone from wanking? How come <laughs> no one does it Nobody anymore? Nobody wanks anymore. There's a lot of slapping. Slapping. Stop. No. <laughs> have a cornflake. Ah, a lot of that. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's universal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter what language you speak. Ah, it's going to make you stop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dogs get it. Yeah. Dogs you know? get it. They don't speak English. They do not speak English. And they English. do not wank. They don't wank. Not when you go, ah. Ah. <laughs> they also put down the thing they've started eating on the street. Mm. Ah. So Snopes.com writes, according to the available evidence, cornflakes were primarily created as an easy-to-digest, pre-prepared and healthy breakfast food. Okay, that does sound more like reasonable <laughs> than, than a wank prevention yeah. scheme. In particular for patients at the sanitarium, I mentioned, the product was never advertised as an anti-masturbatory morning meal. <laughs> but I need you to, to not worry. He is still a bit eccentric with some very warped views on sex and masturbation. Okay. Yes, Thank God. let's go. <laughs> Kellogg was a devout Seventh-day Adventist. Kellogg encouraged strict abstention from almost all forms of sexual activity or contact, even among married heterosexual couples. Cool. Kellogg and his what? own wife had separate bedrooms and reportedly abstained from ever consummating their marriage. Fuck yeah, Kellogg. <laughs> this guy does not fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy's a virgin. <laughs> yes. But, uh, um, I have questions about why. 
Like, why? why? Because he was a religious man. Yeah, but then at least they should be like. he thought, I don't want to fuck my wife. Yeah, no, I I know who he wanted to fuck. (laughs) Um, Me. Yes. And I said no. 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 And he said, well, if I can't have Michelle. I'm a Milo girl. (laughs) Then I'm never fucking it ever. Same men. And you're like, sure. Like, what? (laughs) How how do you think, what's going to happen to mankind if we all follow your your idea of just living with a housemate and never having (laughs) sex? We'll probably all go ascend to heaven together. Did he have any children? No children. They didn't consummate. They didn't consummate. (laughs) No I thought maybe it was like a Mary Jesus thing. Oh, okay. In his 1887 book. Plain facts for old and young, colon, embracing the natural history and hygiene of organic life, Mm. which I will add sold very well. (laughs) And I'm serious, it sold very well. Kellogg devoted an entire section of the book to masturbation, which he referred to as self-pollution and the solitary vice and described as the most dangerous of all sexual abuses. Oh! I reckon there's worse. Yeah, I'd say I'd argue differently. I can name a few worse ones. I think if, yeah, I think you could have a wank and it's all right. Yeah. That's not what he said. Yeah. What did he reckon about 69ing? Yeah, surely that's okay. Surely. <laughs> as long as it was- Not even on birthdays <laughs> or anniversaries. As long as it was healthy food, he was up for it. Yeah. <laughs> a meal for two. <laughs> According to Snopes, Kellogg identified multiple purported causes and harms related to the habit of masturbation, many of which would appear laughably unscientific to a modern reader. <laughs> Among the causes he listed were exciting and irritating food and stimulants such as tea, coffee, wine, beer, and tobacco. That made you wank and it was not good. Wow. He also loved an enema. Oh, okay. He, he advocated the frequent use of an enema, enema machine to cleanse the bowel with several gallons of water. Yeah. Water enemas were followed by the administration of a pint of yogurt. Oh. Up your, up your clacker. Half was eaten. The other half was administered by the enema machine. <laughs> Quote, mm. thus planting the protective germs where they were most needed and may render most effective service. The yogurt served to replace the intestinal flora of the bowel, creating what Kellogg claimed was a squeaky, clean intestine. Oh, that's too much yogurt as well, though. And I, I like yogurt, but that's too much. Half pint up the old, up, up Oh, the half clacker. a pint. Maybe that's not that bad. Half a pint up the clacker? That's too much That's for too me. much up my ass. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ordered a small yogurt. <laughs> well, and you got to ask, though, he, he said you get a squeaky, squeaky clean intestine. Did it work? Well, now we know most inventors live long lives. Let's check in with Dr. John H. Kellogg, who died in 1943, age 91. Wow. I mean, the... The yogurt thing is good for you. Well, you can eat it. You yeah, can you go can just from eat it. top down. Top down. That's my go preferred top method. Down. Top just down. eat the yogurt. Good probiotics. Good health. Top down. Yep. Top that's, down. That's fine. And his younger brother, Will Keith Kellogg, who- What did he put in his asshole? <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> He's the one who actually founded the Kellogg company. Okay. So he's okay. the Kellogg. He also died age 91. Wow. Pretty good. But I think he had children. He had descendants. So he oh, was- Oh, he's fucking. He was fucking. Okay. Do you also think like- Oh, it hasn't been the case with some of these who haven't patented their inventions. So they haven't made heaps of money from it. I was going to argue like probably a lot of these inventors are quite wealthy. And mm. money is going to, especially in the that old days, your life. that's going to extend your life because you're able to afford better quality food. Mm. You know, you have a roof over your head. But that's not always the case with, with some of these inventors because they haven't made money off their inventions, idiots. 
Fuck yeah, damn. the second I she invent something, I'm, I'm fucking making so much cash off it. Same. I'm not doing anything for the good of humanity. No. <laughs> What's humanity ever done for me? Nothing. 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 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now, some accidental discoveries come from nature. Oh, Let me ask yeah. you, what's your favourite type of apple? Fantastic question. Pink lady. I like a royal. The royal, the red. The, the red. royal galah. Royal galah. Yeah. I love a, I love a um, Granny Smith for stewing. Well. Put it in a pie. Oh. Let me just say ding, ding, ding. Okay. Granny Smith, named after Maria Ann Smith. Huh? Wow. An English woman who moved from England to New South Wales in Australia in 1839. Together with her husband, she purchased a small orchard in Eastwood, which is now a suburb of Sydney, they started cultivating fruit. Little did they know they were about to change the fruit game forever. Whoa. Wow, imagine changing the fruit game forever. <laughs> it's big. It's a big deal. All right, let's just, let's just brainstorm. What are some new fruits we're going to invent? <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. Chariot, chariot, chariot banana. Chariot banana. Chariot. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Uh, cherry Garcia. Cherry Garcia. What about just like a giant cherry? Yep, giant cherry. Like an apple-sized cherry? Yeah. That could be fun. Dakota Fanning. Cool. Sorry. Dak- Dakota Fanning. <laughs> <laughs> no wrong answers. No wrong answers. I was just We're trying to stop myself from... I'm trying to brainstorm. We're, We're brainstorm. trying to be open. Yes, and... I love it. Yeah. Dakota, Dakota what, what, Fanning. What, like, kind of, what, what colour is a Dakota Fanning? Yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Post-it note yellow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. The yeah. best yellow. Yeah. I reckon like, a, like an apple-sized grape would be awesome. Oh, that'd be awesome. Because I love grapes. They are expensive. Mm. Yeah, yeah. If you just have like one big one. It would be heavy because it'd be so f- so much It'd be quite wet. dense. Mm. It'd be a dense boy. It'd be like a booby. And it would be like quite teenage. Like, boys. It'd be nice to bite into. Oh, it'd be fun to throw <laughs> at people can't too. Trust people with big yeah. grapes. They wouldn't have a seed. The, in the it. world is not ready. People are gonna be fucking those grapes. I reckon. <laughs> I don't. 
That's yeah, probably why they yeah. didn't make it. Kellogg them. would be rolling in his grave if you had this conversation. He'd hate that. I went to a, a place where they have exotic fruits in Queensland. They got all these different types of fruits, and they got a fruit that's like a chocolate. It tastes like chocolate. What? Yeah, but it's wow. fruit. It's fruit. That's it's, it looks kind of like a dragon fruit, and it's a it's oh, chocolate. I love dragon fruit. It's crazy. Yum. They got all these fruits. That'd be great. Okay, so there you go. We've come up with some new fruits. Fantastic. Granny Smith. Dakota Fanning. <laughs> Smith, that lady, yes. had eight children and later got the nickname Granny Smith as she got older. Too many children. <laughs> She's like, well, Kellogg's not having any. I'm going to have eight. I've got to have a bunch I've of kids. I've got to say, I did just double check. He had eight adopted children, but never any biological. Oh, never. shit. He's not fucking either. Never banged. That's a family that don't fuck. Oh, no, sorry. The the one I was talking about. Oh, so the virgin the, the, man. The, oh, the, the virgin man never banged. The other one did bang. His brother had five biological children. So they adopted eight. Okay, well you could have you could have got some. I was going to say for free. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm happy to pay. <laughs> happy to pay by adopting these people. You that need just a made some from scratch. I'm like one of those <laughs> people who's like, scratch. why are you buying pasta? It's easy to make. It only takes hours. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some debate as to the actual history of the Granny Smith apple. The first description of the origin of the apple was not published until decades later in 1924. It's one of those ones. The story's passed down a bit. But in that year, Farmer and Settler published the account of a local historian who had interviewed two men who had known Smith. So it's like someone's interview, blah, blah, blah. I knew that one person who knew that person. But the story is one of the interviews recalled that in 1868, he, then 12 years old, and his father had been invited to Smith's farm to inspect a chance seedling, an apple tree, that had sprung near a creek. Smith had dumped there among the ferns the remains of French crab apples that had been grown in Tasmania. Another story recounted that Smith had been testing French crab apples for cooking and throwing the apple cores out her window as she worked. She later found the new cultivar had sprung up underneath her kitchen windowsill. So it's either oh. under her kitchen window or by a, a creek. Yes. Somewhere on the farm, a tree just happens to have grown from, from an apple core right. or apple seed. Wow. Whatever the case, Smith took it upon herself to propagate the new cultivar on her property, finding the apples good for cooking, stews, and for general consumption. The namesake of the apple, Granny Smith herself, died a couple of years later. Not sure how old she was, sadly. But the apple well, she was that- a granny. Yeah, she, was, she must have been fairly old. Yeah. But the apple that bears her name has since taken the world by storm. Not just big in Australia, the US Apple Association reported in 2019, which I can't believe that exists, <laughs> that Granny Smith was the third most popular apple in the United States of America. Wow. Their top five were, number one, Galar. Wow. Number two, Red Delicious. Oh, I love mm-hmm. Red Delicious. Which had previously been number one for 50 years, so this was controversial in 2019. Wow. Number you know three, I love Red Delicious. I forgot about Red Delicious. I'd like to take back everything I said about Galar. Well, I've got a couple more for you just in case. Okay, sorry. You're trying to do a podcast, but I just want to make it clear that I am a delicious. (laughs) You're a Red Delicious. I'm a delicious. Confirmed. Confirmed. (laughs) Number three, Granny Smith. Number four, Fuji. Yep. Number five, Honeycrisp. Fuck is that? I don't know if I've never heard of that in my life. That's, um, fuck is like that? those people watching Dancing with the Stars being like, I don't even know who this is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Don't recognise any. And you call this Facebook. celebrity goggle box? I don't know any I of them. I don't know any of them. I'm a hundred years old. <laughs> Australia's most popular apple is the Pink Lady, which was originally bred. Oh, so I'm a basic bitch. Well, it was originally <laughs> bred by British Australian John Cripps. Who passed away in 2022 at 95. Oh my God. These people live long lives. 
And the pink lady is a cross between a Lady Williams and a Golden Delicious. Lady Williams is also a chance seedling, meaning that just one tree happened to produce that type of apple. That tree is located just outside Donnybrook in Western Australia, and Lady Williams is named after Maud Williams. There you go. There you go. I didn't know that much about apples. I started doing a a, a, a deep dive. That's really fun. I like that the um, Granny Smiths just kind of appeared. They're like, huh. Oh, they're quite nice. I know. That's yeah. nice. Let's, let's just grow heaps more of this one. Yeah. And that's what they do. It's amazing. They're great. They're great in a pie or in a stew. Love stewed apple. Yum. Now I want stewed apple. I've never had stewed apple. Never. No. Can I come over for some stewed yes. apple? Yes. Thank you. Our growing list of desserts that we're having tonight is really growing. I'm yeah. going to eat so much. I'm actually going to Smith & Deli, daughters, Smith & Daughters tonight. Yum. Which is one of my favourite restaurants. What do you think they'll have on the dessert menu? Fucking stewed apple, ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Look at Maddie's. <laughs> Those three options. And I'm going to say, load me up, Daddy! (laughs) (laughs) Give me more! (laughs) Okay, finally, we get to what is possibly the most important accidental invention. A breakthrough that has saved millions of lives that has since been called the single greatest victory ever achieved over disease. Vincent Diesel. (laughs) Vincent Diesel. Human life. Human life. Whoopsie. Hey, what's that? Oh, that felt all right. (laughs) <laughs> Nine months later, huh, what the fuck's that? Yeah. <laughs> ah, looks like me. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that's a triumph over disease. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about penicillin. Ah, yes. And Jess, of course, knows the inventor of penicillin yes, very well. Marie Curie. <laughs> what, what have I told you? There is a rival claim. Oh, this is bullshit. <laughs> so before the breakthrough, a relatively minor infection could prove incurable or even deadly. A small scratch... Childbirth, STIs, these were all big killers. Mm. And it all starts with one person. <laughs> Mark you? Or Scottish <laughs> phys- physician and microbiologist. Alexander Fleming. I was very confident. Was he Scottish that it was Marie Curie? On a Marie Curie episode, I was like, and I'm waiting for them to mention <laughs> penicillin. <laughs> I was so sure. Well, and that's okay. I don't know who that is. I know that name, but I don't know who that is. Radium. Oh, is that right? That's right. And uh, p- polonium. Yeah. Polonium. But not penicillin, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> Some say. So, yeah. she, she did not, win. Not my penicillin inventor. <laughs> <laughs> did win two Nobel Prizes in two different fields of science, yeah. which has never been done before. She was very impressive, Boston. yes. But she didn't do penicillin. That was Alexander <laughs> Fleming. Even Alexander Fleming's career in medical research is kind of an accident. Oh. The National... Oh, what's this? Wanders into a science lab. Oh! oh I'm a doctor! <laughs> he wanders in, he's got a couple of beakers, he, like, combines them, and he's like, oh, there you go. Oh, no, put that on an infection. Oh, it's better. Hero! Hero! The National Library of Medicine... Oh, he was Scottish, so he's... Oh! 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 Hi! I love the Scottish people so beautiful. much. A beautiful people, a beautiful language. And they don't sound like that. <laughs> I wish I could do your accent. Down around about there. Don't worry about it, hen. It's getting better. It's getting better. Is it getting better? <laughs> is it improving? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it is. It is. It is. Oh, guy. <laughs> I'd stop though, but oh, it's yeah, getting better. No, I will stop. I'll stop. It's getting better. I think like if I, if I came on and I sort of was more gentle with it, maybe you'd yeah, believe it. That's nice. But what I'm doing is just really going <laughs> <laughs> for something aggressive. 
<laughs> that they I've never heard from one of them. <laughs> one of them. One of them. <laughs> That's what I call Scottish people. Them. It's us versus them. Of course. And they're winning. They're my favourite people. <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> Wow, you have a favourite people? Yes. That's fucked, dude. Sorry. <laughs> they have kilts that, and really good music that and kind it's of a beautiful implies country. you have a least favourite. Well, I do. And they're called, um, no, don't make fun. I have a UK tour coming up and I can't. <laughs> you were going to say the British? Yeah, but I actually do love London okay. very much. Oh, yeah, they're your favourite people now. Okay. She's full no, of shit. they're my second favourite people. <laughs> my favourite people are the people of Scotland. And Who the hate the people of England. That's really hard for me. I'm like, Dad, don't fight. should buy tickets to your shows. Yeah, buy t- they should buy tickets. Go on my internet and <laughs> sign up for the mailing list and then you'll find out who's going to, when I'm coming to your town. <laughs> this is me announcing my UK <laughs> Great, one exclusive. And you've nailed it. <laughs> what are you talking about, Dave? What did you want? Alexander Fleming. That's right. Alexander Fleming. It was an accident. Oh, yes. The National Library of Medicine writes how he got into uh, medical research. It says, while serving as a private in the London Scottish Regiment of the Territorial Army, he became a recognised marksman. Wishing to keep Fleming and St Mary's to join its rifle club, the club's captain convinced him to pursue a career in research rather than in surgery, as the latter choice would require him to leave the school. The captain introduced him to Sir Arm... Elmroth Wright. Incredible name. Elmroth. Elmroth. Bring it back. Never heard Elmroth. of it. Elmroth Wright. A keen, That's a great name. It's beautiful, mm. isn't it? And Sir Elmroth, a keen club member and a pioneer in immunology and vaccine research mm. who agreed to take Fleming under his wing. It was with this research group that Fleming stayed throughout his entire career. So basically a guy wanted him to stay in his rifle club and was like, you should study this because that means yeah. you don't have to leave my club. Wow. And that just basically changed the world. Wow. When World War One broke out, he served in the Army Medical Corps as a captain, watching many, many people die, many from infected wounds at the time. You mm. get infected, not a lot they could do. Mm. After the war, he discovered and named lysozyme, an enzyme with weak antibacterial properties. Again, this was kind of an accident. <laughs> he had a cold and put a bit of mucus on a Petri dish, which is kind of gross, but then lost it for a couple of weeks in his messy laboratory. <laughs> Apparently, his... Shit everywhere all the time, this guy. Mm. Two weeks later, he found it and noted that numerous colonies of bacteria had grown on the slide. However, he noticed that where the mucus was, there was no bacteria. Upon further investigation, Fleming discovered the presence of a substance in the mucus that stopped bacterial, bacterial growth, and he called it lysozyme. He examined other bodily fluids too, including tears, which he wasn't sure how to get. He tried holding. Oh, that's so sad. He didn't know how to feel. <laughs> well, he tried holding onions in front of volunteers, and then moved to lemons, which he squeezed in front of their faces. The volunteers who were lab assistants were paid three pence a piece for their tear donations. Oh my god! That, that's Sign great. me up, Daddy. <laughs> yeah. I will yeah. cry. I'll be one of your top donors. <laughs> I'm gonna be rich. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be on a stamp or something. I reckon. <laughs> I was doing a panel show the other day, and there was like a joke about a chimpanzee that had a birthday party, and it, it got for its birthday a picture, like a picture book. And I was like, well, "What's the pictures of?" And they were like, "Oh, there were pictures of his family." And I lost my mind, <laughs> and I was like, "I can't, I can't. You have to stop filming. Like, I can't." <laughs> I'm sorry. I you 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 just brought this up because you thought it would be a funny joke, but he he's looking at pictures of his family, and then there's footage of him being like, oh, "Wow, like he's so happy looking at the pages." Oh I was my like, god, you disgust me. Do you ever show your dog pictures of herself? 
Yes, all the time. I love to show Goose what he looked like when he was a baby. <laughs> Do you get any reaction? No. Oh, yeah, Humphrey looks around the phone. Like, videos, what? yeah, mm-hmm. videos. If like if it's moving, he'll sort of watch. And I'm like, that's you. Oh, that's wow. you when you were little. That's oh. cute. And then he goes off and does something else, and I'm like, cr- I'm crying. I'm in the, f- I'm in the fetal position. <laughs> oh. well, if we put a bucket in front of your eyes that day, you would have made oh, many man. pence. Millions <laughs> of pence. <laughs> as well as tears, he tried other fluids, including saliva, blood, semen, and pus. No. Much easier to get How the semen. You, yeah, get the semen. Just held a lemon in front of a man. <laughs> Squeezed it. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do it. They all showed lysozyme, and in doing so, Fleming had proved that living organisms produced an innate bacteria-fighting agent. So it's good to cry on wounds. Yeah, cry it up. Oh. Mm. There you go. Super glue it up. Super glue it up. Cry it up. This laid the groundwork for his next accidental discovery and made sure he paid attention. A few years later, when in September 1928... Fleming came back to work after a holiday. He again noticed a petri dish containing a sample, and inside the sample, the growth of bacteria was being inhibited. Before he'd left him, he'd doing a series of experiments involving the Staphylococcal bacteria, which causes staph infections that you sometimes oh, yeah. hear about, golden staph and the like. An uncovered petri dish sitting next to an open window had become contaminated with mold spores, and these spores stopped the bacteria. He was able to isolate the mold and identified it as a member of the Penicillium genus. Mm. So yeah, he came back from holiday and was like, "Oh, this is weird. This bit here doesn't have any bacteria. This mold seems to have done something. I wonder what it is." That's interesting and gross. And again, from the Library mm. of Medicine, he found it to be effective against all gram-positive pathogens, which are responsible for diseases such as scarlet fever, pneumonia, gonorrhea, meningitis, and diphtheria. He discerned that it was not the mold itself, but some, quote, juice it had produced that killed the bacteria. Juice? It's probably mold juice. Yeah. Well, he n- <laughs> and even this in the Library of Medicine, it says he named the, quote, mold juice penicillin. The <laughs> <laughs> so penicillin <laughs> is mold juice. mold juice. yeah. Hmm. He published his findings to little scientific fanfare in 1929. Wow. Fleming found it difficult to isolate this, this precious mold juice in large quantities. <laughs> mm-hmm. And honestly, his breakthrough was really overlooked. Fleming gave up trying to develop penicillin in large quantities and moved on to other stuff. Wow. Close to a decade would pass until 1937 when scientists, Australian Howard Florey and German-born British man Ernst Chain came across Fleming's research. At Oxford, they were investigating microorganisms and the substances they produced and were excited by penicillin and assembled a team of scientists to work solely on what they called the Penicillin Project. Wow. PP. (laughs) (laughs) PP represent. (laughs) It took three years to come up with a successful but painfully inefficient process to produce pure penicillin. Gallons of mould broth were required to produce just a fingernail of penicillin, and they had to collect the mould in bedpans, milk churns, food tins, and even bathtubs. Wow. You have to get a shitload of mould, get a little bit of juice, and then you can get the penicillin. You only get a tiny little amount. Tiniest amount. Interesting. Special fermentation vessels had to be developed to hold the liquid, and six women, known as the penicillin girls- Get it, girls. (laughs) were employed to tend to the fermenting broth and farm, quote-unquote, a few precious milligrams of penicillin from it every week. Wow. Penicillin was trialled on human patients and had great results, 
but the quantities of penicillin were so low they had to make it last any way they could. And it was discovered that 80% of the penicillin was excreted in urine, so they had to collect the patient's urine and then recycle it oh. to get the penicillin back out of it. Wow. Howard Florey's wife, herself a doctor, Dr. Ethel Florey, helped carry out the first clinical trials. And according to sciencemuseum.org, Dr. Ethel Florey was regularly observed on the pee patrol, cycling to patients' houses to collect their urine. Wow. That's full on. I've seen yeah. Jess on the pee patrol. <laughs> yeah. Just collecting. Around, around the neighbourhood. Bucket after bucket. Yeah. Hey, you got new piss? Got my big bell. <laughs> Bring out your piss. <laughs> 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 That's what I say. Put it in the little basket on my bike. Yeah. Away we go. Ding, ding. <laughs> it's a piss lady. <laughs> We know. Do we you, you hear it? Dun, 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 dun. Oh, piss lady! Honey, can I go kissy the piss lady? Not today, sweetheart. Not today, honey. You don't have any piss. <laughs> With the outbreak of World War II, it was difficult to get the production process to increase in the UK, so the team moved to the USA, where it was further developed, and by 1943, by which time the US had joined the war, they had sufficient penicillin stocks to satisfy the demands of the armed forces of the United States, as well as their allies. PBS writes, from January to May 1942, 400 million units of pure penicillin were manufactured. Oh, my God. By the end of the war, American pharmaceutical companies were producing 650 billion, with a B, units per month. So remember how they, they they struggled to make a fingernail's worth a couple of years yeah. earlier, but it just it really ramped up when they discovered how good it was at fighting infection. Yeah, that's amazing. But do we? What do we use penicillin for now? I feel like I don't take. I've. I don't know if I've had penicillin. Is it in all the antibiotics? I think yeah, it's, it's an ingredient in antibiotics. Yeah, that I makes believe. sense. Yeah. I think that was my question, and I instead just went, what do, what do we have? When, <laughs> when, we use, when do you have, have I had it or at lunch? <laughs> and it clearly worked because in World War One, the death rate from bacterial pneumonia was 18%, and in World War Two, it fell to less than 1%. Mm. Amazing. Theconversation.com asks, did penicillin help win the war? And they answer their own question. <laughs> It certainly saved thousands of soldiers from dying of gangrene and sepsis, but its greatest contribution to the war effort may have been the treatment of gonorrhea, helping keep the army at full strength. Oh. Apparently I was taking people down left, right and centre beforehand. And how was it spreading? People were banging. Mm. Kellogg. Yeah, Kellogg would be rolling in his yeah, grave by that point. Grave. You mustn't be doing Stop that. There's a, there's a war to be won. Exactly. Cut it out. It had taken 16 years from initial observation to useful production of penicillin, but it changed medical science forever. And you might be wondering why Alexander Fleming gets all the credit and less people have heard of Howard Florey and Ernst Chain, who worked for years to develop penicillin in a useful form with a whole other team of scientists who get zero shout out. Well, when that huge breakthrough was reported in 1942, Howard Florey prohibited his Oxford team from seeking media coverage. So only Fleming was widely publicised in the media, which led to the misconception that he was entirely responsible for the discovery and development of the drug. Ah. Fleming himself referred to this as the Fleming myth. All three men, however, that is Alexander Fleming, Howard Florey and Ernst Chain were jointly awarded the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine in 1945. Really capturing the spirit of accidental inventions here, Fleming later said, One sometimes finds what one is not looking for. 
When I woke up just after dawn on September 28, 1928, I certainly didn't plan to revolutionise all medicine by <laughs> discovering the world's first antibiotic or bacteria killer, but I suppose that was exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the same as the other girls. <laughs> I guess I just I, got, I just like stumbled upon it. Yeah, it was crazy. Like some people look for stuff all the time, but I'm more like just chill. Yeah, <laughs> leave mess just see what's there. He also later said, "I did not invent penicillin. Nature did. I only discovered it by accident." Yeah, that's, that's a nice, nice man. In 1999, Alexander Fleming was named in Time Magazine's list of the hundred most influential people of the 20th century. Fair. And the discovery of penicillin is estimated to have saved over 80 million lives and counting. Whoa. Australian Prime Minister Sir Robert Menzies said, In terms of world well-being, Howard Florey was the most important man ever born in Australia. And he was on the $50 note here from 1973 to 1995. Oh, wow. wow. There you go. And their ages, I'm afraid it's a disappointing end because Alexander <gasps> Fleming died at 73. Oh. Howard Florey was 69 and Ernst Chain also 73. Wow. But if you add them all up. That's a really That's long line. That's very old. That's very old. So, but how long has nature lived for? Yeah. Nature's the real inventor. Yeah. Whoa. That, wow. There Thank we go. Thank you. Thank that's you. That's got to be. That's got to be like two hundred plus. At least. That's a two hundred pluser. That's two hundred plus. That's sick. That's sick. sick. And that's where we'll end things. So this report could go forever because, like I said, of course. 50% of all inventions are accidents. I could talk forever. They're the ones that I found that yeah. tickled my fancy, but maybe one day we'll do a part two. Or if you let me know an invention that you love. Mm. I accidentally invented a cocktail, um, <laughs> two cocktails at Schoolies. One is called the Betty White. It's apple juice and cinnamon Whoa. and um, vodka. Yep. And then the second one is um, it's called a Colonel Sanders. And it is whatever you're drinking, but you have a chicken wing and then you put you dunk it in and then you cheers the person with the chicken wing and then you throw it over your shoulder. I think I like the Betty White better. Yeah, the Betty White's yum. Because vodka goes nicely with juice. Whereas chicken doesn't go as nicely. Yeah, with whatever you're but drinking. But it's fun to throw stuff over your shoulder. It's fun to have an activity. Yeah, that is true. Sort of like, you know, that's why tequila shots are fun. There's a process to them. There's a process. It's <laughs> yeah. a game. It's a You've game. You've got a haircut. Oh, I've just taken off my headphones momentarily. And You're the nice. Them. Thank you. I've got to go. <laughs> well, that's it. That's, oh, well. I don't like your hair. <laughs> I'm out. No, I do like your hair. It looks great. Thank you so much. You look like a real David, Robert Zest. Is that what? David Zest. David Zest. Thank you. Was the man's name Please. Robert Zest? Robert Zest was my oh, father. Oh, no, there was no man. Robert Zest was my father. You look like a regular David Zest. It was a son Zest. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a real man. <laughs> I remember. I forgot it was from the- It was, was a like, drink. I was like, what did Robert like, Zest invent? was it? Was he the person that guy, Robert Zest? <laughs> No, that does bring us to the end of the episode. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us on this Blockbuster special. I can't believe you let me into Block. That's crazy. You made it. There's the I was fifth banned most- from a Blockbuster video once. That makes sense. Did so you stop paying fines him. or did you I not rewind? What I happened? D- I didn't pay my fines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got banned. Yeah. I think it's also the fire you started in there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Who can say? Who can say? <laughs> not them. They're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, Michelle, if we wanted to see you coming up or find you online, I, I think you've got some sort of UK tour to it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go to my Instagram and you go to my little, like, the link, there's, like, you can sign up for my mailing list or you can go to the tour website, um, which is, like, the ticket website. Just so you'll see whatever I do. I just announced a show at Sydney Festival, which is crazy. I'm doing yeah. Average Bear, my show, but with, like, a string section at Wharf One at Sydney Theatre Company for Sydney Festival. Isn't that mad? Wow. Wh- when's that? Somehow they've been tricked into offering me this. It's in, uh, I think, January. That sounds awesome. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I'm so excited. That so I'm doing awesome. that. So that's on sale. 
can get tickets to that and then um, sign up to the mailing list of, and follow me on Instagram to find out about the um, any international things that may or may not be coming up. <laughs> we love it. Well, Michelle, thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you. I love, I love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show where we get to thank some of our wonderful Patreons um, for supporting us over at DoGoOnPod. No, Patreon.com slash DoGoOnPod. But there is also a link on DoGoOnPod.com, so that was great instincts. Yes. I never do this bit. I actually, I genuinely kind of blacked out through most of that. I was like, I, I was just autopilot. That was autopilot. Because, you know, Matt usually does this bit. We haven't addressed the fact Matt's not here. Yeah. He's travelling in the United States of America at the moment. Having a wonderful He's time. living it up. We, and we, we miss him. We just heard from him. He's had a deep dish in Chicago. Yeah, and he said it was a lovely depth. Yeah. <laughs> which is the funniest food review I've ever heard <laughs> in my so life. Funny. A lovely depth. Well, I was worried it would be a bit too deep, but it was a lovely depth. A lovely depth. Um, we both laughed a lot at that. We really enjoyed that. So, yeah, Matt's not here. So, a big thank you once again to Michelle for hanging out with us and yeah, so nice. filling the void of Matt Stewart. Um, so it's just Dave and I for the Patreon section, which honestly, <laughs> everyone's happy about. Um, <laughs> well, while the Matt's away, <laughs> the kids will play. So the first thing that we like to do is, uh, and if you want to get involved in this, you can um, join us on the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe level. Is that correct? That's right. Um, where you get to submit a fact, a quote, or a question. And it has a little jingle. It goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Ding. Ah, he always remembers the ding. Ah, she always remembers the sing. I was talking about myself in the third person there. Yeah, I love that. Love a rebrand. Do you want to read the fact quote of questions? Yes, how about I do that? I'll put my little glasses on. Thank you. Put your little glasses on. Pop them on. You You know what we also haven't addressed? Yeah. And it's great to do it an hour and a half in Um, because I haven't milked it enough yet so far, but I was hit by a car. I didn't know if you wanted to tell the good people at home that about that. It was like a week ago now, so I'm still milking it. Jess has been hit by a car, and in a way, they should know about it even more so because you were on the ride home from a bonus podcast. That's right. You and I just recorded that afternoon. That's right. We went so our separate ways. I drove home. I said, "See you later." You said, "Oh, I'm just going to go. I'll pack my things and I'm going to get on my bike and yep. head off." Yeah. I said, "I love you." You did say that. That was your your final words to me. So I just think the Patreons should feel bad. Is what you're saying? You were hit by a car. And it was it- only because we were recording a bonus episode for them. That's right. And it was a fantastic bonus episode that I implore people to check out if they're on the Patreon mm. about uh, Chris Lemons. That's right. A yes. diving incident in the North Sea. Gosh, you had me on the on the edge of my seat that whole episode. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, you were off your seat when someone <laughs> hit you with their car. <laughs> and it's good to joke about it. I was genuinely so upset and terrified when you first messaged <laughs> by saying, I need to preface this. My first message will say, yeah. I'm okay, but and that came up first, and then you said I've been yeah, hit that, by a car. I Very did that scary. to a few people, and they and they all the feedback was that really scared them. But I mean, like no, if honestly, I just started with, than I've been hit by a car. Exactly. Honestly, it prepared pr- prepared me. Yeah. to know that you're okay. I'm okay. So do you want to tell people you, you are okay? I was. Yeah, I am okay. I'm fine. Uh, I've got bruised ribs. Yeah, but I'm okay. But I was really. I wanted to milk it now. In that, like, can you do all the hard part? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, great. And, you know, get the door for me and uh, carry my stuff downstairs. Cookie dinner. Yes, please, if you you don't mind. That's genuinely what somebody has had to do for (laughs) several days. Um, But I'm up and I'm out and about and I'm I'm okay. Yes, we're so- So thank you for your concern. We're so thankful that you're okay. My gosh, it was scary. feel bad because we were making something for you (laughs) and it nearly killed me. And I just think you should think about that. That's right. You know, you risk your life for our art. See, Matt would hate me making that joke. 
He would hate that, but he's not here. <laughs> so I get to make the joke that I nearly died for you, Patreons. <laughs> so while the mat's away, <laughs> we will milk the Patreon. I'll get the guilt. So basically people can submit, have you said this bit? I've also on autopilot, a fact, a quote, or a question. Yes. We read out their name. They also give themselves a title. It can be a brag. It can be a suggestion. It can be a, a recipe. It can be anything. It can be really anything you want to share with us. We're open to it. And the first fact or question this week comes from fantastic supporter of the show, Soph Waldron. Ah, Soph, our group photographer and uh, always in the front row of our shows. Uh, it's always a comfort to see Soph. Yes, love seeing you out there at all our shows, Soph. And Soph's title this week is She's 30, but she's neither flirting nor thriving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's hard, Soph, because... You know, that saying is out there, 30, flirty and thriving. You feel like you have to live up to this expectation at Mm. 30. But it's okay to not be flirty or flirting or thriving. It's okay to just be indifferent and surviving. (laughs) That's fine. Yeah, that's good. That's okay. She's 30, indifferent Indifferent and and surviving. surviving. (laughs) That's good. And Soph's given us a question this week, and the question is, what is your go-to dinner party question? Ooh, that's good. I mean, am I hosting the dinner party? Am I a guest at the dinner party? It doesn't really make a difference. Yeah, I suppose you're still asking questions, maybe. No, I don't ask questions. I allow people to ask me questions because I'm always the most interesting person <laughs> yeah. at the dinner party. Um, I, uh, I'll i Google it, but I also- <laughs> You'll Google I'll it? I'll Google it. I'll come up with some options for so you, So, you like, you like, look down at your phone and you go, <clears throat> what is- Dinner party questions. Okay, your just- middle name. <laughs> dinner party questions for adults. What was your first job? Oh, okay. Our kids' party entertainer. Who is the most famous person you've ever met? Oh, uh, Jess Perkins. <laughs> I was pointing at myself anyway, but that's what you said. Who is someone you really admire? Jess Perkins. <laughs> What's your earliest memory? Uh, possibly Jess Perkins. <laughs> and what made you smile recently? Definitely Jess Perkins. <laughs> Jess Perkins being alive. <laughs> um, I would, one of mine would be like if uh, if you had a genie, you got three wishes. Oh, wow. This is good. What yeah. are your three wishes? Incredible. That's a good question, I think. That is a good one. Do you have? Do you want to think about that? About my wishes? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so tricky. Obviously, um, world peace. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Obviously, that's number one. Food for everyone. It is tough. I can really only think of one. Oh, I, yeah. What's your? What's a fun one? Because you got to make it fun ones, right? I always say I would really, I would wish for like a really, like a very good singing voice. Oh, nice one. Not that I would necessarily like change careers and want to be, but like it would be really nice to be able to like get in front of a crowd and sing and people go, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, that's lovely. You know, because I do, I break. <laughs> you only want is, oh, that's lovely. That's not. That's I do lovely, break that. into song a bit on this podcast. Yes. And, and our listeners have occasionally said to me, you can sing. I don't think that's, I don't necessarily agree. I'm not tone deaf, but I can't sing, and I would love to. I love to sing, so I would love to be good at it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have to be Adele. It doesn't have to completely change my life. And I now I'm a huge musician. I would just love to, you know, just sing. Put a smile on the folks at the old folks. Yeah. I would probably if I. I wish. I think I would probably be able to speak and understand every language. Oh, that'd be great. I'd love that. Every language is a great idea, yeah. Yeah. That's so many languages, you can though. Converse. Yeah, but it would be awesome, though, wouldn't it? It would be really handy. Yeah, true. Because I was going to, yeah, I was like, oh, maybe I'd just pick one. But why just pick one? If the option was there that you could, I wonder if that would be something that would end up being a burden. Like you'd be on a train and you'd be understanding every language. 
Yeah, yes. You couldn't you turn it tune off. Out. Yeah, you, absolutely. Yeah, maybe. But it's not like um, the film What Women Want, where you're hearing <laughs> people's thoughts. I guess that, that would be my second wish. Because you can still hear people talking on the train. Yeah, because when it's in English. I can hear people talking. Yeah, it's not yeah. like you're like, oh, God, that's annoying that someone's speaking English three rows down. <laughs> exactly. So Rather than speaking Italian, which I have no idea what they're saying. Yeah, probably, it would be very handy, actually, to be able to communicate. And I, I want to include, like, sign languages as well. Oh, absolutely. That's I think great. that'd be Definitely. great. Definitely. Yes, yeah. all sorts of sign. Um, my go-to dinner party conversation, I don't know if it's a like, question. I think it would be more, I love hearing about people's trips. Yes. I love hearing it like I love hearing about people traveling, yep. where they've been, where they're going to go, what their favorite bits were. I love talking about travel. So, that is it was good. definitely some sort of travel based thing. Have you been on any holidays lately? Have anything you got anything coming up? up? Yeah. I definitely always ask anything coming up. Yeah. Something you're looking forward to at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So it's nice to have stuff to look forward to. Um, my partner started asking people, what do you do for fun? Like, rather than just what do you do for what work? Do you do for work. That's good. What because do you do for you're fun? more than your job, you know? And actually, yeah, at a recent party hosted by yourself. Um, when did I have a party? Well, your wife had a party. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I that's don't know right. why. I got cagey about mentioning your wife for a second. <laughs> I don't know why. I panicked. I was like, when was when, the last when time party? I- No, your I'm wife's party. birthday party. That's absolutely right. Um, Aiden started talking to your wife's cousin and said, and what do you, what do, you do for fun? And it led to this lovely conversation about uh, his passion for Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yes, there you go. And, like, he really he spoke really enthusiastically about it and we had lots of questions and it was really nice. There you go, because you probably wouldn't, uh, if you just asked, what do you do for a job? Yeah, doctor. He would have said doctor. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Okay, that's nice. I know what that is. Yeah, I know what that is. Yeah. And then conversation over. Yeah. Excuse me, I'm going back to yeah. the bar. I think my go-to dinner party question would probably be, who are you and what are you doing in my house? <laughs> And can I get you a drink? Because yeah. you're a good host. Can I get you a drink? <laughs> That's a great question, Soph. I'd love to hear other people's ans- questions mm. on that, uh, or answers with their question, because yeah. that could be something you keep in the back pocket for future. Yep. Let us know, Soph. Love it. And uh, hey, keep being indifferent and surviving. Yeah. <laughs> Our next uh, fact quarter question is Alec Ruiz Guijaro, or Guerrero, pardon me. Alec Ruiz Guerrero. Beautiful. Fantastic name. Who's given themselves the title of Do Go On, Seventh Banana, in brackets, well, at least until my alarm went off. <laughs> you had a, okay. Did you have a dream? Were you dreaming about us, Alec? <laughs> uh, Alex uh, given us a question this week and is, hello again. Hello. Hello. Have you all ever had to either pass on a report either because there wasn't a lot of info on it or because you weren't comfortable doing the report? I hope you are all doing wonderful, and as always, muchas gracias. And there's a picture of a turtle or a tortuga, I believe that oh, is in Spanish. Oh, la da Have we ever passed on a topic because there wasn't enough information? Absolutely. Or a lot of the time, yes. Yeah, but a it, lot of the I time. I say it would happen pretty fr- frequently. Yeah. You look in the hat and go, I've never heard of that. Let me quickly look it up. And you think, this looks tricky yeah. to get the info on it. You type it in. There's one source. It's a book that hasn't been printed since 1988. Yes, you cannot get a copy of it. There's no digital excerpt going yep. and you go- There's no Wikipedia page no wiki to at all. start on. Or it might be like uh, something that happened, I don't know, in Sweden or something. There's yep. not many English sources. Yes. So, yeah, that happens all the time. That has happened a, a fair bit. Fair and bit. then if you're- I th- For me, I try and do that bit before I put the things up for the vote for the Patreon. Yes, Because yes. two out of three of the topics, when it's outside of Blocktober, get voted by the, by the Patreon people. You don't want to lock yourself into a topic that's- not possible to research. Yeah. So you that's when I'm mostly passing on a topic is going, I'm trying to get a three or four 
to vote on. Yeah. And maybe I get two and f- trying to find that third one can sometimes take like an hour and a half. It takes so long takes sometimes so long. to pick potential go, options. Oh, this is good. Absolutely. This could be good. Yeah, yeah. So that does happen a fit. And uh, things that aren't comfortable, that we're not comfortable about. There have been – so we used to do a bit more like serial killer or murdery type yeah, ones. Yeah, true crimey things. We don't do as death. many now and that is a bit more of a conscious choice to, you know, full disclosure – because and some of them that have been suggested are too full on. Absolutely, there's a few that in the hat that you you do a Google and within two sentences you realise this is horrific. Yeah, there's no way that we can make this fun or yes. interesting. Um, you know, and I don't really know how we made some of like I think with some of the killers that we've done that where they're like they were discovered in a somewhat ridiculous way or. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really intriguing story and the investigation into them, that's one thing. Or oh, it's really, really old. Yeah, that's right. It just feels a bit better. Centuries of separation from Jack the Ripper or something like that. Yeah. But there's, yeah, there's some where we're sort of like, oh, that involves a lot of children dying. Yes, we tend we're to- We're not into that. We tend to really avoid those a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, well, that's a, it is a great question. We tend to- We do a bit of everything, of course. But, yeah, sometimes we use our own discretion just- not only to um, protect our own mental health, but also just because we, we have a pretty good idea now of what we do well and- Yeah, what will work best. Yeah, and what will be what will make for an interesting podcast that we can do. There's a lot of really amazing true crime stuff out there that gets really gritty and gory and awful and, um, you know, that's, that's, their, that's their territory. I don't think we do that as well, so we won't do it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Thank you, Alec. Thanks, Alec. Our next fact about a questioner is Andriana. Oh, I've actually gotten a pronunciation oh, in brackets that. here that is, as I double click on. Andriana Gen Uoldi. Let me say that all together. Andriana Gen Uoldi. Beautiful. Gen Uoldi is a great name. I really like the sound of that. Yes. Nice. Uh, the title that Andriana has gone for is Chief Instigator. Ooh, an Ooh. important role. Of what? <laughs> I like it. Maybe we'll find out. Uh, this one is a suggestion from Andriana, our chief instigator, which says, can you please record an episode that is mixed so the report presenter is in the middle and the two sassy riffers are on to the left and one to the right? Ooh. That way it will sound like we are sitting at the table with you. That is a f- really fun idea. I love the show, Andriana writes. That's interesting. So right now I'm in the middle. Because I was reporting. Jess would be in the right-hand headphone. Yeah. I'd be panned to Michelle the right. Michelle would be panned to the left yes. is what would have happened then. Oh, that's quite interesting. That is interesting. I wonder what it would feel like if you're in the car or in the surround sound. Or yeah. That- I think it would feel good in headphones. This is probably a question for our fantastic editor slash uh, audio producer, AJ. Yeah. I think maybe we should try it as a bonus one time and see if it works. Yeah, that's a good idea to see what people like. Because that could be pretty interesting. That sound fun. I think it would take a bit to get used to and then you... And then you'd feel all right. In headphones, it would be, it would kind of feel nice. Yeah. That would, that, we should do some sort of audible experience. Yeah. Yeah, great. That's a good, that's a good idea. Thank you so much Love for that suggestion. suggestion. Love that. And finally this week, we've got Colin Wright, aka Hype Man for my TikTok influencer brother. Woo! Hell yeah, Colin. And Colin's given us a brag, which we also welcome. We love so a brag. They are, brags are absolutely welcome here. Okay, here we go. So, my brother, who occasionally contributes here on Fact Quota Question, has a TikTok account where he talks about the collectible trading card game Magic the Gathering, mm-hmm. which Colin adds, which would make a great good, which would make, sorry, Mona, 
<laughs> Read them as they're yeah, written, mate. I know. No editorialising. I was editorialise by writing great, <laughs> which would make a good report slash mini report. Among other things, he makes awesome skits where he uses green screen to play the game against himself to illustrate cool tricks and also to make very esoteric jokes about magic. I'm writing in today to brag he recently just passed 10,000 followers. Hell yeah. That makes him officially a TikTok professional. Oh my God. Love it. His account is at under the number 100 EDH. So U-N-D-E-R 100 EDH. And he goes by Kobold Coffers. Love it. He specializes in putting together really cool decks that aren't super expensive to buy. And anyone listening who enjoys Magic the Gathering should check him out. He was the one who first got me to listen to the pod on episode 147, Annie Oakley, Little Miss Shawshot. Thanks so much. One of my reports. I didn't really get what podcasts were at the time, so I was initially very confused, but loved the vibe, and I've seen I've been a Patreon for a few years now. That's awesome. So thanks to my brother who got me into this, and congrats to him on, on this cool milestone. Hell yeah. P.S. I told him it was like when Jess was campaigning for 10K on Insta yeah. because I relate too many things in our lives to the pod lol. Yeah. But hopefully no one hacks his account. Oh, man. You're taking me back, Colin. <laughs> what a time that was. Um, That's really cool and really nice. A beautiful sibling moment there. I love it. One more time. It's at under 100EDH. Check it out. Um, As a fellow TikTok influencer. <laughs> yeah. I re- I've deleted TikTok now. I've been off it for two or three weeks, I think. Really? Is in like your account or that's like on your phone so you don't scroll anymore? Yeah, it's not on my phone anymore. Um, so I haven't posted for a while. Was it uh, taking over your life, that kind of reason? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wasting so much time. I was losing hours of my day. That's why I can't, I couldn't get another social media. Yeah, it's too much. But I did get two million views on one video and then I deleted the app because I was that's, like, I've clocked I've it. Done I'm it. done. Yeah. <laughs> that's so good. I'm most, done. Most people would be hooked at that point, but you're like, no. I'm, I was like, and I, it was an accident. And, you're like, and my life hasn't changed. <laughs> I'm fine. I've got, I'm not rich. Um, but that's really well, that's a beautiful um, sibling moment there. I love that. Love good that. On you. I can't imagine my brother writing into a podcast to brag <laughs> about me. So that's very that's very nice. Now our next section of the. Favourite section of the show is where we thank a few more people who have been supporting the show and we give them a shout out and then Jess usually comes up with a little game yeah. for like a little nickname or something that we can give to each of these people. Yeah. It was accidental inventions, anything. I'm going to come up with something they've invented. Okay, great. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I regret this a bit already. Look, if you're going to do it, how about I read out the names and you come up. <laughs> Look, you've volunteered for it, mate. You've got to do the creative part. I'll just uh, thank the people. How could I use the horse name generator? <laughs> <laughs> to make this work. Is there a random invention generator? Let's try. Random invention generator. Oh, my God. It's like the second thing that came up on Google. <laughs> this guy, I forgot about the horse generator. I haven't used it in ages and I love it. <laughs> uh, the, okay. Let's see. Which one have you clicked on? I've clicked on boardhumans.com. Fantastic. <laughs> we use AI to come up with ideas for new inventions. To be clear, the inventions below are not real. They are computer generated. <laughs> okay, yep. Okay. Uh, it comes up with uh, a new invention every time you press generate, and I'm just going to read the first sentence of it. Okay. Because it comes up with a full paragraph. Yeah, it looks like it really goes into like the, the mechanics of the patent and things but, like this. But I'm just going to read first sentence. Yeah, to sum up what it is. That's right. 
Okay, first uh, thank you this week goes out to Kayleen from Bradford in Great Britain. And Kayleen has invented the methanol regent, which is a way of reducing the toxicity and damage due to high levels of sulfur. Oh, wow. That sounds like it would be really helpful. That really does. So, good job. Uh, Kayleen. It could be Kayleen. Now I'm looking at that name again. Let me have a look. That's Kayleen, baby. Yeah, yes. I'm sorry. Kayleen. From Bradford, we think you're great. Uh, next up, I would like to thank from Dubbo in New South Wales, it's Catherine Bain. Okay, I'm reading this verbatim. My invention is named the B-Wave, which I am pleased to present here today. So I will read the second sentence for this one. Okay. The B-Wave is a device for wireless computing without the need of costly components. The B-Wave. The B-Wave. Invented by Catherine Bain. Can you believe it? Surname with B, so that's that's good stuff. That makes sense. On you, Catherine. The Bain Wave would be better. Oh, the Bain Wave. <laughs> Great. Next up, thank you to Joe Bedworth, or Joe Bedworth, from Worcester. My Worcester. In- my invention is named a transceptor, which I am the first person to do. <laughs> I have done so in such a way that I have a new name for it. It's called a transceptor, <laughs> and the name is called transceptor of the body or transceptor of the mind. The new name for the transceptor is the transceiver of the body when he gives instructions to a man to put on a new hat. <laughs> the hat was made with a transceptor made from a piece of cloth called a hemipod. It is said... That the hat was attached to a tube that ran from the head on the hat to the head on the transceptor. <laughs> I think that one's nice and clear. That is fantastic work, Joe Bedworth. <laughs> <laughs> I know I said first sentence, but that well, one really was, got away absolutely. from me. But it was like, um, I call this new transceptor the transceptor. <laughs> That's good stuff. Thank you to... Now, this person hasn't given their surname, so we hope you know who you are. Sean... Sean. Also, it could be seen, but I think it's probably Sean. Where's Sean from? From Sky in Victoria. Ah, yes. Sky in Victoria. Thank you, Sean. Inventor of... The stroke switch. <laughs> For use with a battery that is connected to a device attached to the front of a car and connected to a wire to the rear of the car. While driving, the battery that is connected to the rear of the car's rearview mirror <laughs> is charged to generate electricity that generates power to heat up the car's air compressor units. Why is the, the rearview mirror in, involved in electricity <laughs> in any way? I don't think it needs to be at all. Love it. But I'm not an inventor. Exactly. I don't understand and these most things. Of these, most of these inventions, like we say, come from accidents. So who That's knows? right. They somehow routed the electricity through the rearview mirror and made it work. I don't have a science brain, so <laughs> I, I don't understand it. That doesn't mean it's not helpful. Who are we to judge? <laughs> exactly right. I would like to thank now from Albuquerque in New Mexico, Lydia Valentine. Inventor of? Hole for a shield. (laughs) Hole for a shield. After purchasing some parts and following the directions provided by the patent attorney, I was able to obtain this patent on July 19, 2010. Great work. The patent states that an insulating layer may come into contact with a wall, surface, or other barrier, and that is not covered by a shield. I love that. Hole for a shield. I always thought that, like, you don't want a hole in your shield. But what if you just have a hole for for a shield? shield? In place of a shield, you just have a hole. (laughs) Have you thought about that? I haven't. (laughs) But I have now, Lydia Valentine. (laughs) 
Next up from Denver, Colorado. Big shout out to Ryan King. My invention is named Plantation Control Machine. <laughs> okay. The invention is described in detail below and should be known to anyone who has ever read the invention but may not realise it. AI, I think, is a way off taking all of our jobs. <laughs> I'm happy about it, to be honest. This invention, as described below, is a method of controlling water on plant roots. I guess that makes sense for a plantation oh, okay. control yeah, for machine. A plan- yeah, there you go. There you go. Are we happy with that? <laughs> Do you want me to generate another one? Nope, love it. I absolutely love it. Plantation control machine. Next up, from Alston in Massachusetts. Sorry to say it incorrectly. Big shout out to Hannah Lauter Wasser. Uh, invention, um, n- the neural motor motor <laughs> that you can <laughs> use to create. A motor? You can use it to create an electro- electronic device called the smart motor. The smart motor is a small device that is connected to a smartphone or other mobile device. <laughs> the device acts like a smartphone, but is also but it also acts like a smartphone. <laughs> You can't argue with you that. You can't argue with it. And we thank the invention generator for sharing its wisdom with us. Thank you. And we thank Hannah Lauterwasser for the neural name. motor motor. Wow. I would like to thank from Williamstown here in Melbourne, Colleen Duncan. I'd love to have a beer with Colleen. <laughs> well, Colleen invented the electrical rechargeable battery charging system. <laughs> Any which questions? I think is self-explanatory, but I will finish the sentence. Which can charge a battery of any type, including electric, hydroelectric, hydrojet, and other devices with such charge. The electrical rechargeable battery <laughs> charging system. <laughs> I take my hat off to that. I think that's an important invention and a step forward. Thank you, Colleen. And finally for us this week, I would like to thank from Dora Creek in New South Wales, big shout out to inventor Lucinda Farrell. Cinder invented electro-electro-laser sensor. <laughs> they really love the double up. They do. They love the double up. Which can be used to measure energy at a certain time and for controlling lasers in a certain way. <laughs> electro-electro-laser sensor used to measure energy at a certain time. And I don't know if that means only like once a day does it work to measure energy or you can like say I want to measure the energy at four o'clock this afternoon. Not sure. But it's all it can also control lasers in a certain way, which it does not <laughs> it does not, you know, um expand on. Yeah, okay. But we can <laughs> we trust that it's all above board. <laughs> The only thing left to do is check in on our Triptych Club, which is our Hall of Fame, our clubhouse. For people that have been supporting the show on the shout-out level or above for three consecutive years, we've already given them a shout-out in the past, but to enshrine them in Dugon history and thank them for their continuing service, mm. we invite them into our, basically our Hall of Fame, our clubhouse, where uh, we it's a it's a hangout zone. Yeah. It's, a, it's a cafe. It's a restaurant. Yep. It's a bar. Yep. It's a theatre. Yep. It's a theatre restaurant. It's a theatre restaurant. Um, I'm behind the bar. I've got food and snacks for you. I am going to be serving the uh, Betty White cocktail that Michelle accidentally invented. Um, I accidentally invented a perfect toasty. I won't tell you what's oh in it. Oh, my god! Because I haven't got the patent yet. But let me tell you, the flavour combos will blow your freaking mind. So I got that. Um, you usually book a band as well, Dave. Oh, yeah. You're never going to believe who I've got Who've this you one. got? You will never believe. One of my all-time favourite bands. 
performing one of my all-time favourite albums. The Canadian band themselves, Alexis on Fire, are here to perform in full. And this is, I booked this at, this obviously months ago. Wow. And I just requested this album because it's one of my favourite. Their second album, In Full. Uh, the album is called Watch Out and it opens with the track Accidents. Wow. And that was an accident. That is crazy. Can you believe that? I can't. I won't. So without Matt here, <laughs> so I refuse. So anyway, that, what a band! What a band! So normally it's Matt's job. He lifts the velvet rope, um, lets people into the club, ticks them off the checklist. Yes, um, you hype them up. I hype you up. I think this time I will read the names. I'll check them off the list. You hype them up, and then I'll still hype you up. So it is still a lot of work for me. And I want to preface again <laughs> that I I have was hit by a car. So maybe we could get some sort of like system, like machine that lifts the velvet rope up. Maybe could, one of our great inventors could come up with something. Oh yeah, I won't be able to actually lift the rope. People yep. have to do that themselves. You'll um, have to limbo. I've got bruised ribs, but uh, are you ready to to welcome some people in? I'm so ready. Okay. Well, first up, I would love to welcome in from Silma in California, Silma. One of those. Frankie E. Frankie E. Thanky ye. Oh, he's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's good. That felt good, everyone. From Seattle, Washington, it's Matthew Abad. More like Matthew A. Good. Oh, it was no, right there. Matthew A. Great. Oh, my God. Even better. Let me upgrade you. Oh. And finally, just, just the three this week, from Fitzroy North here in Melbourne in Victoria, Dean Caldwell. More like Dean Cold Great. Oh. hey <laughs> Well, it's not good enough for me, Dean. <laughs> How you doing? Pretty well. I want to make you pretty great. Pretty great. That Dean? sounded creepy. I want to make you pretty great. That sounded awful. You know no, what I mean. No, we do know what you mean. You're fine. You've been hit by a car, <laughs> been hit for by God's a car. Sake. And I deserve sympathy. You've done so well. I deserve sympathy and pity. I've done two full episodes today. I'm brave. You're so brave. Thank you. Thank you for your service. <laughs> to podcasts. <laughs> Do you think anyone's going to- There'll ever be a time in the future where someone is like knighted or given like an, one of those MBEs or whatever for services to podcasts? If it's not us, <laughs> I'll think it's the wankiest thing that's <laughs> ever happened. It, we'll be like, this Prime feels Minister, right. This feels thank right. you so much. Thank you for acknowledging our hard work. <laughs> It was tough spending all those years catching up on a weekly basis with two of our closest friends and sharing a laugh and oh, learning, telling some stories, but uh, we did it for the nation. You're right. And we the world. We changed this country for the better. <laughs> oh, I mean, you could put us on money if you insist. <laughs> the 10? Oh, come on. We're worth more than that. <laughs> There's three of us, for God's sake. <laughs> um, but yeah, there you go. Well, that, that that's everything that we need to do, isn't it, Dave? That is absolutely it. Thank you so much for listening this far, everyone. We absolutely appreciate it and love you all. And if people want to get in contact with us, Jess, we have a website. What's that all about? It's dogoonpod.com and you can find information about uh, live shows. Uh, you can see all the podcasts in our podcast network. We've got a few of them now. And, uh, yeah, find merch, everything you need, all in one handy location. <laughs> yeah, one look at, including your tickets to our upcoming Christmas show. Yes. Saturday, December the 2nd here in Melbourne. Melbourne, 4.30. We're back doing an afternoon show, so hopefully you can come along, spread the Christmas joy. Yeah, go to dogoonpod.com and uh, find tickets there. We'll be back next week with our fourth most requested Blockbuster Toba special. But until then, I'll say thank you so much and goodbye. Laters. Bye. I was hit by a car. <laughs> 
This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 